When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? Welcome to the show. Today, we are going to be doing what we do best on this channel, going to Jubilee and watching one of their middle grounds. This one is Can Christians and Ex-Christians See Eye to Eye? It's going to be interesting. Uh, I myself am non-religious, but I'm not a former Christian, so I think that's going to be an intricacy that we're going to have to navigate throughout this episode. Uh, Taylor is a Christian, and he is here in Nashville. Whoop, whoop, represent. Yeah, you're kind of on the outside looking in on this one, but hey, I'm happy to be here. I'm sure this is one that's going to be extremely easy and non-controversial for me to try to uh, <laughs> cut to the heart of all these contentious issues. Right. I, I'll, I'll see how uh, I'll, I'll navigate this one. I can certainly share my perspective. I don't know how well the prompts are going to be tailored to me being able to answer them properly, given that this is former Christians and current Christians, but we are going to watch nonetheless Let's get into this episode and see what they have to offer. Okay. Let me say something like. that you might not like. I think. Uh, pause. And also, we are going to skip around a, a little bit through some of these prompts. And just so you guys know, don't come at me in the comments. We got to do what we got to do. All right. All four of you know that God really exists. Mm -hmm. I think you do know. Mm -hmm. You don't want it to be true. That's putting opposite, that's putting opposite. Work, right? <laughs> I said you might not like it, right? We are approaching the 150th episode of Middle Ground, and we need your help to continue making more episodes. Join our Middle Ground Patreon community and make Middle Ground with us. Okay. Christianity is the only true religion. Can the agreeers please step forward? Okay. Christianity is the only true religion. Obviously, I would be stepping back for this. And I do uh, love a point that uh, I saw Ricky Gervais make, uh, because oftentimes when you are not adherent to any sort of religion, people ask about, you know, your disbelief, uh, which I would refer to not really as a, a disbelief, but just not being convinced by religious arguments. Um, I just reject one more religion than people who uh, who practice a religion do. You know, if you're a Muslim watching this right now, I reject one more religion than you do. If you're a Christian watching this right now, I reject one more religion than you do, so on and so forth. But Taylor, as a Christian, I imagine you have you have to walk forward on this. This is an agree, right? Right. I mean, essentially, it's tantamount to saying I am a Christian, which is yes. basically I have accepted or or hold to be true certain truth claims that are held within this this faith, and uh, that is true of of me. And I would just add that, like, even in the realm of non-belief, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but there are still even inarticulate um, truth claims that are often made that people often say, well, I don't believe anything, blah, 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 blah. But like, that doesn't mean that you're holding to this ethic of no one should make truth claims because that in and of itself is a form of a truth claim, a moral truth claim. And so uh, I think we just need to, it, it has this veneer of like, oh, well, how dare you 
hold to a belief system, but mm. pretty much everybody holds to a belief system. So pretty much everybody has truth claims, be they moral or whatever, that they ground their worldview on consciously or unconsciously. So it's not as exclusionary, I think, as it's made out to be oftentimes. Yeah, it depends. I think some people view uh, morality as being uh, somewhat subjective, I guess, and then others have objective views towards morality. Sam Harris uh, is is an arguer of being non-religious, but stating that there is uh, an objective morality. So I guess it would be to each their own on whether or not you make truth claims outside of an adherence to uh, to religion. I guess there'd be two camps of people in that case. I do think maybe we'll get into this later on in the sure. episode. So I'm going to hold off. It's kind of interesting because there are so many religions, but, and I don't even consider myself religious. I consider myself a child of God. I have a relationship with Jesus. So I would say the only true way to heaven, the only true way to eternal everlasting life is Christianity. Well, I'm surprised that all of us came forward because, uh, well, I'm a pastor, so that's expected of me. <laughs> but I've noticed that it's such a hard thing to say today oh, yeah. rather yeah. than it was like 30 years ago because you, so many people get offended. I mean, you didn't say anything else except Jesus is the only way. And right there, people don't want to talk to you. Mm -hmm. Is that a hard thing to say considering you identify as a member of that religion? I'm like going back to your point. As By default, you'd think Christianity is the only true religion if that's your belief system, correct? Yeah, but I just think in the last couple decades, that's been made out to be this exclusionary claim. Mm -hmm. um, and because of that, it just, there's some baggage associated with it, where if you say like, I hold to this set of beliefs, then that there's the baggage of people assuming that you hold all these different views, and whether they're political or whether you're there, uh, this judgmentalism, that you're hypocritical, whatever. So uh, just saying like, I believe this to the exclusion of other beliefs, can be seen as this like discriminatory thing. And I think people are just kind of reticent to uh, make that, make that statement. But for in this one in particular, I'm like, you just got to roll with it. And, and kind of like we say with labels, uh, like people call us conservative and we're like, okay, maybe like, Yes, but center right. I mean, whatever you want to say with labels, right. but like ask me, ask me about a particular question, and I'll tell you my views on it. So I'm not going to not associate myself with the name of Christ because yes, this is the the that is who I follow, and that is the belief system that I hold to. But beyond that, like let's get into some more of the details before we start. Uh, attaching all these other uh, assumptions to it. Sure. And I guess, yeah, it is naturally an exclusionary claim if you think about it, you know, to the extent of what religion thinks about these ideas, that should be something that's just generally accepted. I guess uh, there are, uh, there's a lot of maybe religious divide, maybe religious animosity uh, happening currently right now. Uh, maybe we'll get into that as we talk more. But this Prompt is kind of a given. You would expect the four people who are currently identifying as Christians to walk forward and say that they believe it is the only mm -hmm. true religion and the other four are going to step back. Okay. Right. It's really true. <laughs> true. For me, I think um, all religions teach you to do well, um, but Christianity is the only religion that teaches you you can't do it without God. You Amen. can't do it without Amen. Jesus. Yeah. So for me, I couldn't get out of my depression. I couldn't get out of my loneliness. I could only maintain. Um, I needed something to save me, pull me out of that. 100%. And so, you know, I grew up Buddhist, but uh, with Christianity, I was able to really step out of that frame of thinking of I'm my own God. I have to take care of my own issues. And God was the one that helped me in everything. Mm. But do, do Muslims not believe the same? 
I thought Muslims do believe that. Oh, you guys can tell me know in the comments. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, said, that might be outside my realm okay, of expertise. I can understand coming from maybe Buddhism to Christianity that you would say Christianity uh, is tells me that I can't get through this without God. But I would imagine uh, Muslim uh, religion would also tell you that you can't get through things without God. Let me know if you're a Muslim down below. Just a question for you. Be good. Amen. I mean, I really don't want to seem like my religion is better than yours. Well, yeah, kind of, deal. of course. It's simply what Jesus claimed for himself. Yeah. So, you know. Can the disagreeers please join? If we like reflect on the aspect of the only true religion or the only true religion for me, it, it, it's, it's a slippery slope because if you substitute religion with nationalism, Mm. We can all of a sudden see the problems with yeah. it, you know? I get it. So, I think that religion... Okay. Um, if, if you... There, you can't... Okay. <laughs> I don't think only true religion and only true religion for me can really exist in the same realm, given the claims that religion puts forth, right? If your religious claim is that because I am adherent to this religious doctrine, I am therefore going to enjoy whatever exists in heaven and those that don't are going to uh, deal with whatever exists in hell. Within the claim is that you are an adherent to the only true religion. There is no tacking on of for me, which I do think is like a sign of the times. We kind of tell people that like it's your truth and it's my truth. And I can understand why we would say that in regard to religion, because there are hundreds, if not thousands of religions that exist uh, in this current uh, society that we have right now. But the very claim itself is that it is the only true religion. So how can it be for you only? Right. Yeah. But, but my my only addition to that would be like, unless you're advocating for, I guess, more moral relativism uh, or even just relativism in general, where the only way to know truth, like there is only your truth and my truth. Sure. Uh, saying that, claiming that only your truth is the truth is itself a sort of moral truth claim. Um, and so... That is, that is to the exclusion of other people's beliefs. So we can play this game all day long. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's probably good that uh, the general, like we default to uh, a respect of other people's beliefs and like in a pluralistic society, in a pluralistic world, like yeah. in, in the realm outside of religious truth claims uh, in a like pluralistic democratic uh, world, uh, civilization, we we want there to be some deference and respect and some understanding that we're going to have to negotiate when we have different fundamental assumptions about the nature of the world and reality. Uh, and we're going to have to cooperate and, and, and talk those out and figure out uh, how, how we're going to coexist in that. But just it's uh, the, the idea of having a set of beliefs that uh, ground your entire worldview to me is just inherently unproblematic. Yeah. So you're going to recognize uh, why we're going to be skipping some props here because we're only two minutes and 25 seconds into this video <laughs> and we've been talking for 11. Okay, guys? So we're going to watch a little bit more of this now that the disagreeers are come forward and then we're going to move on to another prompt. Organized religion can cause a lot of issues. The message of Jesus Christ, he's the embodiment of love, right? But yeah, I truly believe in my heart. I do not think people that do not know him are just gonna burn in the fiery pits. I don't think it's that black and white, but yes, I truly do believe it's he, Jesus Christ is, Christianity is the only way. 
my epiphany was like walking down Route 101 in, in Pennsylvania and thinking, oh my God, this idea behind Christianity is that everyone that doesn't just assent, believe in this one thing, mm -hmm. they're gonna burn forever. Mm -hmm. And that was like my epiphany, like, oh man, I, I, you know, it is fun, not fun, it is fulfilling <laughs> <laughs> to have a very black and white way of looking at the world, right? Mm -hmm. That I remember how great that felt, but also like, my epiphany is, oh, there has to be more in the world and the universe than that. That can't be the end of it. Like that, I mean, that might be like an all-knowing God, but that's not an all-loving God. You know, it can't be all, you know. Yeah, I was going to say I'm so jealous that you guys feel like it's the only religion. Like mm. I felt, I wish I felt that way still, but um, I just don't know anything. And there's millions of religions. How can you say 100% that? it's the only true one. You can't, but I know in your hearts you can, and I wish I had that so bad, but I, I just don't. Yeah, I think what she is describing is a difference between, I guess, belief and, and faith. There is an element of having to, at least from my opinion, take a, a leap of, of faith in order to uh, practice a specific religion, and she's contending with the idea that there are thousands who are taking that leap, so which of the thousands do I go with? And I think a lot of people feel that. Um, what I guess, I, from my perspective, having not been religious and uh, not, not been convinced by religious arguments, I've never felt what these two are describing of, I wish I had a religion, or I wish there was something that could, you know, fill uh, it's a seemingly a void that they that they have. I am very comfortable in the space of not having a, a religion to to practice, and in the spaces in life where maybe answers don't you know flow out, and you don't know uh, everything that's happening or uh, all all that's going on, or just exactly why you're here. I'm totally comfortable sitting in uh, the the lack of knowledge on on those things. I'm curious, yeah. Taylor, how do you feel? Um, I mean, about which question? Like I sympathize oh, yeah. <laughs> There's with... There's a lot. Uh, yeah. She's kind of talking about wishing for, I think, maybe a sense of certainty mm -hmm. about the world. And I think there's two sides of that. Like I've met a lot of Christians who have a lot of certainty about every question. And it's like, oh, well, we know this, this, and this because of this. Um, mm -hmm. And it's almost feels like more shallow when you're just like, have all the pre-written answers and, and there's not like a lot mm. of like, you haven't contended with this stuff and really like, uh, asked your honest questions. I call it existential honesty, like it to the core of my being. Have I really entertained my doubts about these things? Have I really, uh, asked myself with complete intellectual honesty and complete existential honesty about whatever my concerns are? Because there, there is a convenience to having this prepackaged set of answers of things that you're supposed to know about the world and believe. And uh, I think in a wrong, it is like a, a, a wrong or, or unhealthy sort of religious uh, experience to put full weight in those without really giving due diligence to your uh, doubts or to your honest questions. And I, I've always been of the persuasion that like, if God's real and true, like he's not going to be afraid of my honest questions and he'll actually help me work those out. And also like we, we talk about Amala on the show, like if you're ideological, you're somebody who cannot be persuaded by any 
uh, amount of argumentation or, or evidence. And mm-hmm. I'm like, if this is true, then it doesn't need my false pretenses. It doesn't need me to to loan it the status of truth, truth despite uh, what my own two eyes are telling me or what my honest, rational thought is telling me. And uh, so I've, I've been on this journey and, and like I've had bad experiences in church. I've had questions about the Bible and all this stuff. And I just, but for whatever reason, in the same way, like you say, I've never been persuaded or never feel like uh, I, I'm really like missing that much. I'm at peace with, with the unknown. I'm kind of at peace with the amount of faith I have to take in order to maintain this worldview, because when it when I have investigated, when I've wrestled with all of these deep questions and and problems that I've had with the church or with hip, hypocrisy in Christianity or with issues with the Bible or or whatever, I've been able to to find answers, and none of them have been, uh, I guess, fatal to my faith journeys. But I, I really honestly sympathize with this girl and her journey and everything that she's been through, because I've met a lot of Christians like her. And for me, I'd rather it's more interesting and more. It uh, feels more real to have a conversation with someone like her than with a Christian who can just spit out all the right answers, but has never really uh, dug into their faith or never really entertained their honest questions because they think that's somehow like a, a disrespectful thing toward God. I think your faith is actually more real and stronger if you allow yourself to go there. And uh, anyway, so that's that's kind of my experience and how I think yeah. about this. And I do appreciate the acknowledgement that faith is required, which means like there is some sort of leap that that does need to be taken on behalf of unanswered questions and, you know, blanks that have not been been filled in yet, because there are uh, people of all religions who will not make that acknowledgement and just say, you know, simply everything is true. We have the answers for everything. But faith is the the acknowledgement of not having answers for everything and thinking, you know, like this is the answer for me and this is what I believe to be to be true. So, right. I'll just say, like, there are a few uh, non-negotiable elements of the Christian faith. One of them is the literal like resurrection of Jesus. That's like a belief that you have to hold to if you're going to call yourself yep. a Christian, because that's believing who Jesus is, who he says he is. That's like the essence of what it is to be a Christian. So if you can accept that, uh, then that opens a door to other, you know, elements of faith. Uh, so mm-hmm. it, it becomes, it becomes less hard, but that also doesn't mean that you need to completely check your brain at the door and be intellectually dishonest with regard to your faith, because then that's what we call like blind faith. And it's not really, I don't think that's what God's interested in is just like total blind obedience and just uh, it's it's disingenuous to me and it's actually weaker and uh, not something that I think is rises to the level of, of what this is all about. Do you see, guys, why we've we've yet to unpack this subject matter on the show because Taylor and I outside of this have so many different conversations about religion and Christianity and God and all this stuff. And we could probably do and maybe in the in the future we will do like a five hour podcast where we go through all this different stuff. Uh, We do not have the time to do that on today's show. So I am going to give credence to the uh, Christians and former Christians in this episode before we get into <laughs> our back and forth. So let that be known. Taylor and I are going to share as much of our perspective as we can share without getting into a super hearty debate on uh, the entirety of how we feel about uh, religion and Christianity. Mm-hmm. It's like this. In answer to your question, I mean, I haven't studied every religion to say this is wrong, this is right. Mm-hmm. But I do know that Jesus is real based on what he's done in my life. And I know the Bible is real based on archeology span and prophecy. And Jesus says he's the only way. So I'll, I'll believe him. I mean, 
He could be lying. What if I, I could be wrong. That? What but, if I said that to but, you? But what Jesus, makes him special? Jesus proved himself to me by saving me, by doing miracles in my life. What if I say Yeah, but that's yeah. anecdotal. But you haven't saved me. Yeah. What if I yeah, do, though? What if so, he does? What if I, anybody the, the else? Issue, I, I believe that you experienced that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and that it's powerful. And if, if that makes you a better human being, fantastic. The issue is that it's anecdotal. To go to your, to, to what you were saying, how can you prove without just the basis of faith mm -hmm. that this is the absolute truth? And Christian the apologetics. Like and right, but the Christian apologetics are disagreeing a bunch of, of different aspects, Not you know? Really. And you need- No, they don't actually. Well, they, they do, you know, and okay. you really need to focus on whether you are going to theologically accept the Bible as the absolute document of truth, what are you gonna cherry pick from it? Mm -hmm. What are you gonna accept as, oh, this was just a historical thing? And Sermon I know, uh, no, yeah, that I, I think Ivan is speaking to something that a lot of people feel and that uh, there is some, some truth there. It's interesting that he said the apologetics disagree uh, on a lot of different things. She said, no, they don't. <laughs> which is a very interesting <laughs> response to have, considering that like the whole of Christian apologetics is made up of uh, hundreds of thousands of different people who have their different uh, interpretations of uh, what is laid out in the Bible. There are Christian apologetics that actually believe in the Big Bang and say that they can, from a Christian perspective, explain how the Big Bang actually brought about, uh, you know, the human civilization that we now get to live in. There are Christian apologetics who uh, talk from the perspective of, uh, justifying the story of Adam and Eve and the serpent and the tree and all these different things. So there's most definitely uh, a lot of disagreement uh, amongst uh, uh, apologetics. And something that Taylor and I both share is that we've run the gamut when it comes to like listening to the apologetics, watching the different debates. I've seen tons of like William Lane Craig having discussions with Christopher Hitchens and Sam Harris. And to me, it's super entertaining to watch uh, two intellectuals sort of go at each other respectfully on these different claims and to just see all the different webs that are weaved. Uh, I'm curious, Taylor, you, you know, you've, you've watched all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I, I guess yeah, I go through different eras and seasons. Like sometimes the, the difficulty that I'm struggling with in my faith is like I said before, uh, watching someone in the church who's acted horribly and like, how can I reconcile that or mm -hmm. watching hypocrisy of Christianity or, or different specific questions. But I've definitely had my eras of watching the the William Lane Craigses and the Ravi Zacharias's and Tim Keller's probably one of my favorite. He just uh, mm -hmm. passed away recently, but he's one of my favorite um, teachers and, and I guess apologists, if that's the right word. But I will say it is interesting, at least on the Christian side, to start to see some of the different personalities emerge. The pastor guy, comes off like a pastor, right? It's kind of got that slightly cheesy affect, yes. maybe, I don't want to say disingenuous, but a tad disingenuous and just a little bit, I don't like out of touch, uh, yeah. if I can say that, but also earnest, I can give him that. And mm -hmm. uh, definitely like, you know, sincere and 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 nice and kind. And, and I like that. Uh, and then the, the Asian guy seems like he's very, he's really gone through it personally and is speaking out of his own like, Hey, I'm not trying to impose anything on anybody, mm -hmm. but here's kind of my experience. And then the girl was like, oh no, all apologetics are all on the same page. Like that's a little bit more of like the, I have all the answers type Christian. So they actually have a pretty decent representation of yeah. uh, some of the spectrum that I've encountered in, in the Christian walk. And I, I guess I 
have my own thoughts on each, um, which I don't need to get into a ton <laughs> here. I guess my favorite so far is the the Asian guy, but uh, yeah. I guess they're both, they're two Asian, the pastor's Asian too, but the non-pastor Asian guy. Um, but yeah, I guess we can just keep going because there's just so much. It's to hard because it's like you can't, you, it, it's difficult with these Jubilee middle grounds on any subject, but especially difficult on the subject of religion because it's like, I want to... I'm, I'm sure you're feeling this too, Taylor. Like you want to nitpick the perspective of the Christians talking, but you also want to nitpick the uh, former Christians who are talking. And when you feel like you don't have a proper representative of your side or your personal set of beliefs, it's very difficult to respond to these videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I can pick like uh, several different moments already where I'm like, I could, I could provide some probably clarity here yep, that they're uh, not really speaking to, but... <laughs> You know, so I guess we just have to grit our teeth and, and keep going or else we'll be here forever. Yeah, but I think we got the gist on uh, this Christianity mm -hmm. being the only true religion. Uh, for those of you who are watching along or whatever the case may be, we are going to skip uh, the Bible is always open uh, to interpretation, just since, you know, given our, our two different uh, perspectives uh, on the matter. I think this next interesting one at 1856 is going to be you can be gay and Christian. While I'm pulling this back up, what are your thoughts on you can be gay and Christian as a statement? Are you walking forward? You stepping back? We'll fix I don't that. want to go all Jordan Peterson on you, but um, I think it depends on what you mean by gay and what you, it depends on what you mean by Christian. Like if we're talking about experiencing same sex attraction, I don't think that that keeps you from being a Christian. And if we're talking about Christianity as the faith that accepts the Bible as its authority, uh, then I, I think that that also is an important element uh, in whether or not you can say that somebody can be gay and Christian. There are a lot of people who call themselves Christians who believe that uh, living a homosexual lifestyle, which would be in contrary to uh, what the Bible teaches in a straightforward reading, at least in my judgment, and uh, people disagree on that. Um, uh, but, you know, that that exists. Um, and so it, as far as the way I see it, I, I don't believe that you can like live a homosexual lifestyle deliberately, willfully, and um, call something that a straightforward reading of scripture uh, and God's divine order uh, that that contradicts that. And then also call yourself someone who follows God and, and follows in his way. I don't think those are two consistent positions. So as far as, as it pertains to the Christianity that accepts the authority of the Bible, I would say, um, no, you cannot. Okay. And then just for more clarity. So let's say you are actively and, you know, willfully breaking one of the 10 commandments while claiming to be a Christian. You would also say you cannot be a Christian and do X so long as you are willfully doing these things. Yeah, I okay. think if you are uh, like actively living a lifestyle where you're having sex out of wedlock, that is something that flies in the face of Christianity and what uh, is biblical morality. And so you're not you're rejecting the authority of the Bible. And that doesn't necessarily like neither one, I guess you're not like this lost soul because it, there's I mean, I don't how deep can we go down this rabbit hole? <laughs> right. Because Christianity for me is not and, and I believe the 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 truth about Christianity is we, we like to to paint the picture in culture that it's this legalistic religion or questions like this make it look like a, a legalistic thing where we have the law and the law is don't be gay, don't have sex outside of marriage, don't lie, don't do all these bad things, and then God will accept you. And that's really not what Christianity is all about is, is 
obeying all the right things. Paul said, with regard to the law, I was faultless, but that was to his shame because he had he was boasting in his own self-righteousness and believed that he was righteous because of his perfect obedience and because he was learned in the scriptures and because he was doing everything right by the letter, um, but he didn't actually have a humble heart in his soul. He didn't think he needed a savior, and that's where Jesus met him, and, and he uh, became saved. And so Christianity is really about recognizing your need for a savior and that all of us are sinful, no matter which, all of us, our sinful nature manifests itself in different ways, whether gay, whether straight, whether uh, doing bad things in, in any kind of direction. And we're conscious of that is what is also taught by scripture. Um, and and the way out of that, the way to be made right, the way to be freed from our slavery to sin is through accepting Jesus and him imputing that righteousness to us. And it's not something that we can earn by our good behavior. So I hate the framing of these questions because it's like, can you be gay and Christian? It's like, well, any anybody, every human being falls short in different ways that manifests itself differently in our lives um, according to God's standard and according to divine order as it's, as it's spelled out in scripture. But we don't like obeying every single thing isn't what's going to get us accepted in our own strength or, or in our own ability. We need a savior. And the critical question is, is do you accept that savior on his terms um, or are you trusting in your own strength? And I don't think you can get there trusting in your own strength. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I can imagine there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I don't want to call them pitfalls, but there'd be a lot of questions uh, to clarify that because there's many times where people either like willfully and knowingly commit sin or they do so unknowingly. And then you have to ask yourself the question, are, are, can you still be Christian under that circumstance? But then I guess it's all about your relationship and view towards the savior that would be Jesus Christ or, or God in that sense. Um, it's interesting that we so often focus on uh, being gay that I think from an outside perspective on Christianity, uh, you would think that get, being gay is a bigger sin than any other sin possible because so many people mm -hmm. focusing on it so much, even though it's from a very small uh, portion of the Bible to the best of my understanding. And I think pretty sure sins are meant to be viewed equally and that there is no tier list when it comes to uh, the sins that you commit, correct? I mean, that's another theological question. Yeah. There's like, uh, what is it? It's, there's like talk of the unpardonable sin. And, uh -huh. and they're, they're, it's one of the, like Jesus was harder on Pharisees. Um, and in the New Testament, it talks about how those who teach will be judged more strictly mm -hmm. or more harshly. So in other words, if you're teaching on behalf of Christianity, but not living the Christian uh, ethic or, or in earnestly, or you're being a hypocrite, then you're judged more harshly. Mm -hmm. So there may be like gradations to it, but I don't think that there's a particular emphasis um, in scripture on like the, the, that, uh, sexual sin that manifests itself in homosexuality is worse than sexual sin that manifests itself in in any other way in right. like fornication or adultery or anything like that. So uh, that's my best answer for for that specific question. But to speak to what you're talking about a minute ago, of like I, I don't want to portray that. You, and again, this is this goes back to like the legalistic mentality. Like if it's mm -hmm. if it's a legalistic religion, then you make one misstep and boom, you're unrighteous, you're out. But in a grace religion, which I believe is what Christianity is, like uh, you, as you are trusting in Christ and as you are moving toward him and agreeing with 
him and your 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 will of your heart is subservient to him, then you may make missteps along the way, but you're still moving in that direction. I, I heard an illustration once that's like, okay, I'm if if the truth and righteousness or like if God's over here, um, I may like accidentally take a step backwards, but I'm still facing that direction. Whereas if you're saying, um, well, God, I'm going to cherry pick what I believe about uh, what you say is the righteous thing, um, then you're actually turning the other way and uh, facing that. And then like also, but like backing your way toward him, if that makes sense, you know? Yes. So it, it's as long as you're like oriented in your, the posture of your heart and your will is submitted to uh, what God says and you're earnest in that, your pursuit of that, then I think that that's what we're going for. But uh, whenever you, I don't see how you can willfully, uh, hold to things that are um, un, inconsistent with uh, what you know to be true based on the authority of Scripture. And if you don't accept Scripture as authority, then we have a whole other conversation. And then I guess we get into the the debate about what does Scripture actually say, or what right. are the things that talk about homosexuality <laughs> or whatever it may be yeah. actually mean. So on and on we go. Um, but yeah. I don't know. That that's hopefully some more helpful context for what we're talking about. And with that, we will let uh, the eight individuals on this middle ground. Put their two cents in. You can be gay and Christian. Okay, a lot of people walked forward. A lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) I feel that you need to start. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this whore, huh? (laughs) Obviously and stuff. I'm a big old uh, fruitcake. I bartend in nightlife. I go-go dance. I do adult content. I love it. I love having sex with women, which almost sounds bad now that I'm saying it out loud. It's amazing. But I I still love the Bible. I treat people with respect. I uh, go to confession. I do all these things. I I love my LGBTQIA community. And I'm a gay man, a big oat fruit, and I love it. So (laughs) I was going to say, one of the reasons I became an ex-Christian was because I met gay people. (laughs) Because I grew up in a Christian small conservative town and my parents like pushed it into me they're like what are the two things we vote on as christians and i'd have to say abortion and gay marriage wow. <laughs> like brainwash so i met gay people and i was like why do my parents say you're bad you know <laughs> and then it, it's like it's just crazy just living life is how i became an ex-christian and just i hate the fact that like my mom says, you can be gay, you just can't act on it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh so you God. want someone to go their whole life without loving someone and people kill mm-hmm. themselves because of that. For me, I just mm-hmm. think it's kind of pervy that <laughs> there yes. is just thought that he is so involved in what you do in bed. Mm-hmm. Right. Christians are involved in people's right. beds. Well, the reason I'm sitting here, I think I also probably before the other two join us, I think I'm probably in line with them too. I'm just answering the prompt in that, can a gay person believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for his sins and that he has risen again, that Jesus is God? Yes, yes, Amen. definitely, and can go to heaven. And, I, and I'm a Christian, and uh, I think most of us don't care about what people do in their bedrooms, but we do care about other people saying, no, no, your God says this is okay when the Bible strictly says it's homosexuality is sin. 
How does that make you feel when he says that? When they say it again, interpreting, right? So they have it interpreted saying that they meant mainly when it was older men having sex with young men because there wasn't a word to translate for uh, just something else like men and men. But, yeah, so I don't believe he necessarily meant being in love with a man or a woman with a woman. And so, so I believe is for men with younger men who didn't, uh, couldn't determine, didn't have no, a choice. Of course, so we're getting a lot of different interpretations here and uh, different viewpoints on it. I mean, uh, obviously I can't give a perspective on this. I'm not uh, a believer. So uh, it's mm -hmm. sort of difficult to give an answer here, but I'm just trying to think from the, the logical perspective of analyzing different things uh, from the, the pastor's perspective. He's saying, well, yeah, you can be gay and be Christian just in the same way that somebody who is a hypocrite could be Christian or somebody who's engaging right. in premarital sex could be a Christian. Um, and there's a ton of people doing that every day uh, with the, the cross around their neck and saying that they believe in God. And uh, here's the thing. Uh, I, I would imagine when I think about people who do these things, right, and it's got to be a, a large percentage of Christians, given all the different sins that are detailed in the Bible that you could possibly be committing now, either knowingly or unknowingly, is the idea there that you will just get the opportunity to repent at some point before you you pass on to the other life, or when you pass on to the other life, you will get the moment to talk with your creator and uh, you know, talk about your repentance and he will be able to levy you forgiveness or is the idea, and I'm sure you're all going to have different answers to this, so let me know in the comments down below. <laughs> I will be reading your comments most definitely. Uh, is the idea that an all-knowing God already knows of your deep-set belief in him regardless of the life that you are, are leading and knows whether or not you are putting forth your best effort? Because a, a, a large thing that I think many who don't believe contend with and uh, think about is that if you truly believed that your life was going to end in this like eternal hellfire uh, that is hell or you know whatever iteration of hell you believe in, that you would be as adherent as as possible. And the sort of flippant nature in which many commit sin sort of points to maybe that your belief is not as deeply held as one would think it is. But I guess it depends on your view of repentance and for forgiveness. That's a question that I have. So let me know down below <laughs> how you feel about that. Taylor, anything <laughs> to say here before we go back to him? Yeah, well, like I was trying to say before, mm -hmm. uh, I don't think that like your salvation hinges like every time you make a misstep. Right. Uh, that you're all of a sudden out and subject to judgment. And when we talk about um, forgiveness and being made righteous, that your sin, past, present, and future is mm -hmm. forgiven. Um, but at the same time, Paul talks about work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Jesus said, by your fruit, uh, you'll be recognized. And uh, James talks about how, you know, show me your faith by your works. And I don't think that like a, you know, Oh, just to get in by the skin of my teeth prayer right. your, on your deathbed it is really the best uh, rubric okay. to judge it by. So does that answer your question? It does answer my question. Yeah. And I think okay. that's another that's another like uh, chasm, I think, amongst uh, Christians where there's room for for disagreement um, where some would say, oh, yes, you must actually commit the act of repentance before you pass away. And others would say he knows what's yeah, going to, on. To be clear, like I don't. When 
you are conscious of sin in your life, I believe you need to repent of that. But for me, sincere repentance still is like taking responsibility for it. Changing, uh-huh. You know, it's like it's it's the word for repentance is metanoia, like literally changing changing your your mind, changing the way you think, mm-hmm. and so that should manifest itself in your behavior. So that's the that's a very classic like debate and talk in Christianity is this idea of faith and works, and like are we saved by our works or are we saved by by grace through faith and I think the answer is we are saved by grace through faith, but that that will manifest itself in your works. And so if you're being disingenuous in your faith, then that'll manifest itself in ongoing willful disobedience. And that's where um, I think it'd be worried. But I'll say one more thing about the, like this whole idea of, you know, being more motivated to be righteous because of the fear of judgment. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a place for, for that, but you know, um, scripture talks about how the goodness of God is what draws sinners to repentance. And I can say from my personal faith journey, like I am not motivated on my day-to-day life to be a Christian, to live Christian lifestyle out of a fear of, of judgment or a fear of hellfire. Mm-hmm. It's not really something I, I, I think about very often. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about, I, for me, it's just, it's true. Therefore it is worth like, Therefore, I want to live in alignment with the truth. There is an order to the world that seems to be divine. And to the degree that I am living uh, in alignment with that order, uh, things seem to make sense uh, philosophically, morally, uh, just in my life, things work. And it, it that becomes evident to me. It's beautiful. It's And there's, there's transcendent elements to it. So it's all of the, that's what keeps me on the path. It's not the the fear of judgment. And I think that the abuse of that is what has led to a lot of uh a lot of misconceptions and a lot of bad reputation on the part of the church and a lot of misunderstanding within the church as well. Like of like this the shame culture of being motivated by guilt, shame, etc. Mm-hmm. to obey God, I think is just like a very unhealthy uh, starting point and way to, to go about things. And it's, I also think it, it's not a good look from the outside looking in. It's not the best way to approach Christianity. I think the best way to approach it is who is the person of Jesus and is he who he says he is? And that's the central question to keep in mind and, and contend with that question. And every all these other considerations are, are relevant and should be contended with. Um, but that's the central question that that should be held above all the others and um, everything else should should come beneath that or be contextualized around that because that's the central claim of Christianity. The central claim of Christianity is not, um, you know, can about any specific sin or, or uh, should you be motivated by judgment or anything like that or mm-hmm. any specific doctrine of hell or whatever. It's about who is Jesus and is he who he said he was. And then we can kind of go from there once we have landed on that question. Yeah, and that, interestingly enough, that is, uh, I guess, also not not necessarily a qualm, but something that I wish when you are emphasizing the perspective of ex-Christians, you would get at least person, at least one person who doesn't have some sort of horrible experience with the church and who is right. merely arguing from the position of logic on the basis of religion. Because it's always so unfortunate that like the people who they bring on will say, I had this bad experience with the church. Or I had this one. It's like, okay, but let's contend with the actual ideas and the claims being made and all of that uh, because we get lost in apologizing for bad experiences or saying that that's not a true reflection of Christianity or Islam or Buddhism or whatever the religion is, when really 
I'm just trying to get down to the root of the claims being made. Uh, but alas. All right. And that's that's the inherent problem with any forum like this, because for one, it's like the no true Scotsman, like no, no person can really represent something like Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or much less like the perfect criticism of like rational and calm and, you know, uh, perfectly informed criticism of Jesus. So this is definitely an imperfect format, but it does create the opportunity for, uh, for interesting conversations. But I share your, your uh, frustration, I guess, with, you know, not having either side really being represented. But, but also I think there's, there's a reality to it that this is the gritty reality. Like if you grab people in their experiences in life, like this is kind of where they're at. And I think that's a, a fact of life as well. So you can give Jubilee heat for like, oh, you didn't get this pastor that I really like, or you didn't get right. this intellectual critic that I really like to represent either side of this. But at the same time, this is a cross section of humanity that has contended with these questions as we probably all have in one way or another. Um, and it does open up questions and thoughts. And I think that that's a, a good thing. Yes. But like I said before, I do think that rather than I don't know. I, I want to keep in mind too that like what's on the the judgment scale is not these Christians in particular or any particular uh, representation of Christianity on the Christian side. For me, what we need to keep on the judgment scale is Jesus Christ. And when you're thinking about Christianity, like keep that the central question, and that'll help be a north star in your navigating things because um, it's very easy to get distracted by the shortcomings of Christians, whether in through history or mod- in modernity or all these very complex theological questions. Um, but I think that's a good north star to keep in mind. And I don't know what the inverse of that is on the non-religious side, but it actually is the exact same thing. (laughs) I think the inverse of that uh, is not even an inverse. It's that if you are (laughs) going to be talking about these things, of course, personal experience, um, uh, things like that. Contradictions are, you know, uh, a good thing to talk about and sort of see if you can see clarity through. But the real thing at the end of the day, that is the very center of the discussion is the claim Uh, And that can be the claim of Jesus Christ, God, whatever the case may be, uh, and the burden of proof. Uh, And that's why, you know, we'll we'll have fun with this conversation. I I do recommend, though, listening to like the Christopher Hitchens of the world, the Richard Dawkins, the William Lane Craig's, the uh, Tim Keller's uh, and contending with that type of, of debate and back and forth. Before and I speak Greek and I read and write Greek. And if you look at that passage in Romans chapter one, it's not about the word. It actually describes men having sexual acts with other men. I'm going to burn in the fiery fucking pits. No, but God forgives. Yeah, he does. He does. I believe, no, that I'm just right. I believe you have a real Old faith in Jesus. So oh, 100%. you are forgiven of your sins. I love Jesus Christ. And I know that the Bible's not going to change for me, too. Like, I know that if this is truly a sin, then I have to answer to that when I go. It's not, there's nothing I can do. Also, there's nothing I want to do, though. I love who I love. And I truly believe Jesus Christ, the embodiment of love, is like, I get it. I feel like he's always kind of like letting me know, like, I, I'm glad you're, you're, you're on the right path. I, I agree with you. Yeah. I think that's, you know, if you're going to practice something, at least practice a good part of it. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. I'd love to hear this. I believe it's actually a very profound statement. I don't know if we have the time to unpack what Ivan just said. I'll just let you guys marinate on the that. The Bible, I believe what it says. And I also understand in the Bible that it says that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God or take or have any part of it. And it lists a lot of different sins. And I think that there's a difference between people falling short. We all do. We all make mistakes. We all struggle. We're all figuring out our identity, all of that. But when it, for me, the difference is if you are purposely day in and day out saying, 
this is what I want to do and this is how I want to live my life and it goes completely against the word of God, that's when I feel you have you have separated yourself from the Lord and you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Do you have gay friends? I do not have gay friends. I barely have friends, period. <laughs> but I can uh, see that I actually seen that you would be around a lot of people because you're so well, there was a me and warm. No, there I was, be your friend? I know. Yeah, we'll be your gay friends. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there was fantastic. a time that the reason why that happened, I'm not trying to get being on Maury or something. But like, <laughs> <laughs> I've had friends, but what I noticed is I was attracted to a lot of toxic friendships that were very mm. one-sided. Mm. So I what I it. had to do is like get rid of that. And God actually called me to be closer to him. I entered into ministry. I do YouTube stuff. But anyways, That's so cool. now is the time I have a church community. I have friends, but it's, I... For me, a friend is someone who also draws me closer you, to Christ. Do you think that I truly will go to hell even though I'm Catholic and I practice just because I love a man? I think she Because I can't, like I can't, I'll be miserable. Like mm -hmm. I've tried being alone and it's hard. You know, I want someone that's there that I, I want to love and I want to take care of them and I want to provide mm -hmm. for them and do all that. And all I want to do is have someone like everyone else. And I don't think oh, that man. Jesus Christ wants me not to. But I don't think loving anybody is wrong, but we're talking love and sexuality are two different categories and I know that the Lord believes in Christian marriage man and woman who are monogamous and who are not going to be cheating on each other fornicating all that stuff very interesting so she draws the distinction personally for her uh, interpretation is that it's okay for him to be in love with another man so long as he does not engage in sexual acts with that other man I, is that a widely held belief uh, amongst Christians? I have heard that said before. And mind you, I've heard Christians say, it's okay that you feel these things just so long as you do not act upon them. But I would imagine that the uh, admission of love or the practicing of love with another person, even separate from sexuality, would be you practicing homosexuality. Yeah, um, I'm sure that that is a widely held belief in Christianity. I mean, you've heard it before, like just, just you know, have the desires, but don't act on them. Right. And there's, I think there's, I guess within Christendom, a, a, an amount of truth to that, mm -hmm. because in the same way of like, okay, if I'm tempted to cheat on my wife because I see a hot girl walking down the street or something like the act of the, the thought of being attracted to somebody is not necessarily the sinful thing. It's just mm -hmm. something that comes up. It's like the, the old adage, like you can, you can, uh, you, maybe you can't prevent a bird from, you know, landing in your head or pooping on you or landing on you or something, but you can't prevent it from uh, building a nest in your head. And I think that that's kind of the idea there where you don't like internalize or allow these things to b become their be, grow into actions, I guess, that you're performing. And okay. I think there's, there's truth to that, but, uh, I, I, I just hate so much of this discussion because it's so like, I feel like we're just continually getting into the, bits and pieces in translation and interpretation. Yes. And, and like a legalistic approach to understanding Christianity. And like, sure. you know, like we talked about before, the central prism is Jesus. And like, if Jesus met this guy, um, I just think about like, how would he be interacting with this man who is living in a way that uh, I don't think that Jesus would say is uh, God's way is consistent with God's order. Um, but how would Jesus, you know, treat him and talk to him? And um, I'm reminded of like, in 
the book of uh, John, I think, there's the story of this woman who is caught in the act of adultery and brought before Jesus and the, the religious people of the day who feel morally superior because they know the right answers and have the right uh, judge, you know, the right basis of judging things and they understand the theological questions. They say, you know, Jesus, the law says that you need to stone her right here. Um, and then Jesus looks at them and uh, you probably know it, but says like, you know, let him who's without sin cast the first stone. Mm -hmm. And one by one, they uh, drop their stones and walk away. And then, but he also says to the woman, um, you know, where are your condemners? And then she says, they have all left. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Uh, we can't leave off the go and sin no more part, which means like, I'm still affirming God's view of uh, divine order and your, your, uh, desires, your lifestyle is disordered. It's not consistent with that. But my posture towards you is sacrificial love, is mercy, is grace. And that's what I want you to know about me. I don't want you to know the law. I don't want you to know judgment. I don't want you to know um, just the moral standards and you're not on the right side of it. Therefore, I want to condemn you. That's not what Jesus came for. That's not what he's about. He is about love. But we can't like also define that love on our own terms and say that, you know, just because I have this desire or my um, my preferences manifest themselves in this way, that now I get to put that above what God's divine order says. Um, and so again, we have to contend with the person of Jesus. And if you uh, meet that Jesus, if that Jesus meets you in that moment, like that, if you uh, come to faith in him and believe he is who he says he is, that is a reality that should supersede every other reality in your life to where now the most important thing in your universe should not be your right to um, enjoy uh, relationship or sexuality in whatever way you deem fit, much let, let alone, like, you know, Paul said in Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I've been crucified with Christ. Jesus talked about how, like, uh, if you want to come after me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And anyone who wants to keep their life will lose it. And uh, anyone who gives it up will, will keep it. And, you know, to somebody that, that jumped out on the road and says, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. He turned around and said, hey, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, the one thing in your life that you're leaning on for security, for comfort, um, that's not a sufficient grounds. That's not going to do it. And you're you're not fit to be my follower if you're still trusting in material wealth or uh, security that comes from anything else. Like it's, it's all or nothing. So people have this idea that we need to like market for Christianity because, uh, you know, they, they have, there's these contentious cultural questions around it and what's mm -hmm. sinful and what's not. And like, I'm like, look at the person of Jesus and, you know, contend with him. And uh, he wasn't trying to soften uh, his image when it came to who's following him. He was very clear uh, that, hey, this, the reality, if you're going to accept me, it means that you're accepting like this. It's it's an all-consuming thing. It is a transcendent thing in your life and you're, you're no longer... Uh, you don't have rights to yourself. Not that you ever, the, the, it's a delusion that you ever did in the first place, according to Christianity, because it teaches that we're all under slavery of sin um, and hopeless, you know, left to our own devices. We can't put hope in ourselves and, and become who, even by our own standards, we fail that judgment. Um, but that's what Jesus offers is that self-sacrificial love and allows you to, um, allows you to accept that reality that makes you, uh, enter into a place where you're forgiven and, and you have that purpose and, and you know who you are and you're no longer trusting in your own righteousness. So anyway, I, I can go on and on. I don't mean to preach a sermon, but mm -hmm. I just, when I look at these questions, um, 
and look at the problems that this guy's facing and stuff, like my heart doesn't go to, oh, I want to argue with him about theological questions about the merits of, can you be gay and Christian and blah, 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 blah. I'm just thinking of like, man, uh, here's how I think Jesus would, would react in this situation. And, and I hurt for the experiences that he has, that he's had, the confusion that he's having. And I hurt for the Christians on the other side who are more, uh, seem to be on, uh, in, taking on the role of the Pharisees who were holding the stones ready to cast them uh, instead of the posture of Jesus who uh, was was apt to show mercy and show him something higher. Yeah, so, you would uh, imagine, like, given their supposed adherence, that they would be able to look outside themselves and understand that that's what's happening in this moment and that they, yeah. too, are engaging in something that would be frowned upon, which is just given unless they have a different interpretation of whether or not that is frowned upon i i do not know let's let them uh, continue so with you honestly i'm just going to go a little off script i know you're searching i know you are I... and i know you mean it and i know that there's things that you feel like you can't change see i don't like this i don't like you uh and I'm just speaking specifically, you do not know these things. <laughs> like, it's really, she's so far, and every time that she's spoken, made extremely bold claims uh, of, of knowing, of uh, apologetics, not disagreeing with, another, with, with one another, telling him what his own perspective is uh, in regard to religion and his life. And I, I think this can happen in, in some religious people, in all regards, in all religions, where uh, because you feel like you are enlightened by the information and uh, the religion that you adhere to, that you must uh, take on the pedestalized position of right. telling other people what they must think, what they must feel. And uh, I know you are searching. Sounds like a, a very Christ-like thing to say. And I don't know that you're meant to be taking that position uh, in, in having dialogue with other people about religion. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, it does have like an air of condescension, right? Yes. And it's, it's like, on the one hand, you could see Jesus saying something like that, you know, uh -huh. maybe, but also he's Jesus and would actually like, you know, there's passage where it talks about how Jesus knew people's thoughts and that's a thing. Um, but at the same time, as a follower of Jesus, people should get the feeling that they're talking to someone who you know, knows him, knows and and acts like he would in any given situation. And to me, that's the only hope that Christianity has and like true Christianity for spreading and influencing other people is like, did someone feel like they talked to Jesus when they talked to you? And if you're sort of in this, it almost felt like a weird, like manipulative effort to like take this posture of I, I have the enlightenment and I have the understanding and let me tell you what you're, yeah. you're thinking and all that. And it's just, it, it's having the, the opposite effect. And I was, uh, recently listening to a, a Keller sermon and he talked about like this, this, a lot of Christians. And this is honestly my experience too. We err on the side of that moral superiority. And, um, if you, uh, if you take this idea that, Hey, I know the truth and I'm on the right side of it. Therefore, I have the that justifies me uh, taking a pot, like the upper hand in conversations or that regard morality or whatever. And then I can like talk down to you from my high horse. Um, that's actually not like the way Jesus did things. And it is uh, it's a form of boasting. And like 
that that was kind of my experience in Christianity is what I, I was mostly a goody two shoes raised in church and, and stuff. But what I found when I got into my teens where I, where my faith became real to me, not just something that I was taught from my parents or like part of being Bible belt culture. Um, I was kind of went along with it, but when it became something that I was like, Oh, I actually have conviction in this is when I realized like through reading, um, I think it was Philippians three. I know it was cause I remember it, <laughs> but it's when Paul is talking about how he was the, uh, like he was circumcised on the eighth day, a Hebrew of Hebrews, educated in the the all the right ways, and um, he never made a mistake with regard to like obeying the law. So even on as specified by the the legalistic righteousness and having the moral high ground, like we're talking about with this lady, uh, he was he said he I was perfect. Um, but then he goes on to say, but whatever was to my profit, I consider loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. And I realized that like my confidence was, had been in my own, like I was saying in the choir at my church, my dad was a minister. I uh, had Bible time when I was a kid. So I thought I knew lots of things. And like, I thought that I had this sense of self-righteousness just because I knew all the right answers and was on the right side morally of all these things, neglecting the fact that I myself also need the mercy of God, that I am imperfect and that absent his uh, intervention into my life, that I am hopelessly lost and cannot, like Paul says, uh, produce one good thing. I know in me dwells no good thing. And coming to that realization and feeling myself like humbled in that way is really like was a tipping point for me in my faith journey and made it more real to me. And I, I that's what, so I cringe when I hear like some the, the like moralism when Christianity is reduced to that, because it's really, you're just you're echoing the the pharisaical sort of stereotype and archetype. Um, you're not echoing the, the archetype of Christ. And that's really what Christianity is supposed to be all about. Yeah, I view this as like, what are conversations, like if I have conversations with like left-leaning people or like really radical leftists when we're talking about, you know, influence, uh, how much more powerful is it to say, you know, I am just like you and we are the same individual and you're going through your own experience and I'm going through mine, but we're very much the same. And she's like taking this uh, stance as though like she's somewhere way above him, just trying to shine the light down on him so that he can right. be so that he can be where she is. When in reality, what you're doing right now is showing you are very much the same, uh, especially if we're talking through the equation of wrongdoing and anything. Anyways, yeah. let's let's let this moment continue. Let's hear more. Let's get another her. ten seconds into this. Yeah, <laughs> I know that you have a genuine. Sorry. I know. I know what you're saying because yeah. I can see and you, you. You remind me of my grandma, and I say this in this way because she's hyper Christian, and she feels like if she starts approving or liking something like this, it's tough because you're like, if I like, if I love someone who does this, it goes against my faith. I still and so, but all you people. want to do though, you're like, yeah. this person's cool. I get along with them. They're not going to, we're going to the same place, right? Do you feel that you're searching? I don't think that I'm searching. What would you to say to him when he says, Oop. I'm not searching. I feel that I found. Well, the thing I was going to go forward and say is I do believe that you want to please the Lord. And I know that you're. Thank you. So he's done I, I know that you feel like you can't change. And there's a lot of people like that. Heavy breaths, heavy sighs. Oh my gosh, she said that. I know that you feel like you can't change. Can we get to the root? I just want to pause and remind you guys how powerfully uh, and how confident she was in saying, I know you're searching, I know you're searching twice to this man. And it was uh, just revealed that he is in fact not searching. And we never circled back to that. Look how powerful that claim was for her, that, that belief that she had. And it didn't end up being actually true. And it was a good look for the other guy to be like, hey, are you searching? Like, why yeah. not ask the question and let the man, you know, speak for himself, which is also a great way to like talk to people and get down to 
you know, the, the real issues going on and speak to them on a level, like maybe ask them questions instead of just saying, I know things about you or here's what you need to believe. Just like, let's meet one-on-one, meet where you're at. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that's why they call Jesus the friend of sinners. Like, let's go to where you are, find you and like let's connect on the level of your existence. What questions are you struggling with? What, what is the source of your insecurity? Where, uh, how do you feel? Where are you? Like, that's to me what more Jesus would be doing in a situation like this. It wouldn't be so much like you need to do this or I know this about you and and here's all the, the things you're doing wrong and what you could be doing right. Let's try to get through more of this, guys. We're going to try to watch Why more. homosexuality is wrong. So because can I it's actually, in the Bible. Please do. And it goes Why against it God's Tell design us. for family. <laughs> so here's the, here's the thing, right, guys. Um, I think we're focusing too much on this thing that's like, so for me, sin is more of like a virus, right? There are symptoms of this virus, right? There's, so the gay virus. Right. So no, it's not a gay virus. What I'm saying is I'm trying to make a differentiation between sin and what we think is actual sin, yeah. right? Hold your thing. Let him, let him talk. So if, if it enters our body and we have a fever, let's say, runny nose, fever, sore throat, if I take Tylenol and I take aspirin, my fever will suppress, right? But if I don't attack the virus at its core, then it'll keep still popping up. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? With the, well, with how the does symptoms. this analogy relate to so being I'm getting there. what's wrong? He's getting to the point. So I'm getting to the point. True sin, like a, like I said, is it's a virus. It stems from unbelief. It stems from trusting and believing in myself, right? So I knew, for example, that you can't just kill people. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a gang member. My dad beat me. He was an alcoholic. My mom, all of that was an excuse, right? I chose, you like chose. she was saying, right? You chose. So I chose. I'm going to follow my thoughts and believe in myself. Do you guys understand? And from that, I became a gang member. When I lived my own way and I trusted my own self, essentially being my own God. When you trusted yourself. Yes. Another right. decision. I'm, I'm, the judge. I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm really, really sorry. Everything that you're bringing up to the table are decisions. When did you chose to be gay? Right. No, I did not. There was no choice for me. You can't help who you fall in love with, right? And like, say if you, uh, are, are you biracial, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, so ditto and stuff. And, uh, you know, like uh, at some point, maybe our parents and stuff, right? People were like, how dare you be with this? You know, our grandparents, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And stuff. And it's like, you can't help who you love and you're not supposed to. But people told them they were supposed to. So I can't help who I... That actually wasn't the proper argument to make in that case. And I'll explain why. Uh, What that the the Asian guy and I'm uh, Johnny, his name is Johnny. What he described is uh, also was not necessarily uh, a product of choice. If we really think about it all that he didn't choose to have an absent father or choose to have the poor conditions that led to him being, uh, you know, uh, introduced to to gang violence. Now he did choose to be in a gang, but if the preconditions to your choice you did not have choice over, then you know uh, how does that work? The same thing in in that he would have uh, gay feelings uh, towards men or feel like he's in love, and then the the actual act is a choice is what Christians would argue. Would they not? They would say your choice to actually engage with a man, uh, have a relationship, would be. Uh, the the choice that you've made, right? Because they acknowledge that you can have feelings and that those might appear uh, naturally, uh, but your the act of is actually what is creating the problem within Christianity. Now, all that being said, uh, they'd all probably also argue that it should be viewed equally and how he contends with that. Me personally, I don't know why there are so many uh, gay people who are 
trying to knock on the door of of Christianity and wanting so badly to uh, be a member to the religion. But that's just me personally. And I, I guess if I if I think a lot about the human condition, I can understand it in a way. There is uh, many have a need to find salvation and uh, they do want to know that everything is going to be okay at the end of the day and that there is somebody looking out for them. But my goodness, it's just like, it's it's so interesting to watch a lot of people sort of tell you, hey, we, you don't belong here. <laughs> like you're not, you're, this is not for you. you can't sit and with then, us. yeah, and to sort of like fight to be in it and to to believe in it. it's a really interesting thing to watch personally. Well, real quick, speaking of the uh, human condition, I think I can maybe help rescue our friend's uh, metaphor there with the virus, like, uh-huh. uh, like. Christians believe that humans are fallen, you know, because of Adam's sin, humanity is a fallen race. We are sinful uh, by nature. And so following that logic, like we, when we do sinful things, we're just being human. We're just doing what we are. So the idea that uh, you can choose not to sin is actually not really a Christian one. The Christian understanding is your nature is corrupt and it needs to be replaced. So the virus in that view would be you have this fallen nature, you're, mm-hmm. you're by nature uh, sinful or you know fundamentally uh, evil, I guess. Um, but the where Christianity would step in, I think, would be more in the realm of a uh, antidote or something that cures you of that. Um, now, it's it's not the perfect metaphor theologically, I guess, but I think that would be closer to maybe what would uh, be a helpful understanding of how it works. Um, because it's, it, I think Christianity, like one of the fundamental tenets of, of uh, Calvinism, uh, which I'm not necessarily uh, an adherent to, but mm-hmm. it's a, it's a very prominent framework is the, the idea of total depravity, which is that like humanity can't Choose, can't choose God in and of themselves. If they, if we could, then we wouldn't need uh, a need regeneration. We wouldn't need God to come in and give us the ability to to believe or, or have faith. And that is the miracle of salvation that that God allows us to um, have faith in Him. And so it's not then could, because it's like by grace you've been saved, not of works, not of yourselves, lest any man can boast. And so the idea being, you're, if I could choose to obey God in and of my human self. Um, then I would be able to boast in that. But because I can't, um, accepting accepting it as a gift that the boast is like the glory all belongs to him in my salvation and I'm not taking any credit for my righteousness. So the idea that I can like choose to do good things um, and that makes me saved out of my sinful nature is not necessarily a Christian view. So I just want to maybe clarify that based on his uh, metaphor. And the Calvinists are like, things are going to happen the way they they happen, predetermined, Right. Determinism. Yeah, there's like there's predestination, there's determinism. <clears throat> it's it's very much like yeah. Yeah. Um, I I'm not the most theological literate. I'm not a theologian, but I have wrestled with these questions, so I know some things. Um, but I'm not full on like uh, a predestination person. But I sympathize with a lot of the uh, theological arguments that they make. Um, so yeah, I don't know how far down that rabbit hole you may want to go. I'm not, probably not too far. I mean, yeah. I would have questions because like, if you do think that everything is predestined, then that would be everybody's, uh, relationship with the God that you claim to have a relationship with. That would also be, pre- I would want to hear like, is that also predestined? But, uh, from a non-believer's, uh, perspective, there are like 
two sects, ones that b- believe, there's probably more than two, but there are many that believe that, uh, you know, you do have choice, uh, speaking on the argument that we're making about, like, the gang violence and being gay or whatever. And then there's also, I believe, like, the Sam Harris view that everything that happens, I don't know how, how deep we want to get into this philosophically, <laughs> but everything is going to happen as it happens, okay? And everything that has happened happened in the way it was always going to happen as far as like your brain and how we make choices or what we believe to be choices your synapse and your your neurons were always going to fire in the way that they're that they fired okay so we are uh, functionally like these very intricate and complex computers that have the illusion of of making choice and if you uh, and if you believe in uh, Sam Harris's perspective on that then choice is really not a real thing we are all just sort of products of our environment of our synapse firing and everything is going to happen the way that it happened <laughs> I, we're getting in the weeds here. <laughs> we are getting That's fascinating. I've heard you talk about that one before. And when when I hear that, though, all I'm hearing is like basically time exists, like things that happened, happened, things that will happen, do happen. You're just kind of like putting determinism on the seed of time and, and like saying that things will happen as they happen, as though it's like this invisible force. But it's really just saying like chronology exists as far as I can determine. Right. But if you're if you're (laughs) if everything is going to happen as it happens, uh, it takes away the idea that we have like two forks in the road and we purposefully choose which fork in the road we go down. The like conditions of your life and your environment make for the choice that you make. So it's sort of like we have the illusion that I'm personally choosing the words that I'm saying to you right now. But my synapses are always going to fire in the way that they're firing right now. Like uh, philosophically, maybe, but we are in the moment of time that we're currently in. Yes. So I still have to, in this moment in time, make the choice of what's going to happen next in order for what will be to actually be. So because what will be has not yet happened, (laughs) then we actually need now to qualify that. Some make the argument that we we are actively just convincing ourselves and uh, we are living in an illusion of choice and that your life plays out the way it plays out. You are exposed to the things that you are exposed to uh, as it was always going to be. There's a lot we could get into <laughs> on this one, guys. I don't know. I don't know if I, we've already lost you already, uh, lost in the sauce on this one. Let's keep watching. Fun time. <laughs> fall in love with and I'm not supposed to because Jesus Christ, he did all these things with people that were very not. Uh, They're all supposed to go Jesus to hell. didn't follow the Bible. So <laughs> not very much. He was, he was extremely, not follow his he was extremely <laughs> kind and loving to everybody and said, no matter what and stuff, just, just trust in my heart. Do you understand that he also was saving people? healing them and also saying, go and sin no more. He right. wasn't saying, let's all party Do and let's all, want. people like to but say, he's just like up and, and love. Love. Someone though isn't, isn't partying and having a good time being like, who's <laughs> at the should bar? That's a bar. Next, should we move on to the next prompt? I feel like this is just back and forth on the same thing over and over and over. And yeah. I'm sure we could find things to talk about on this one, but uh, I'm sure we will when we move on. So we will. might as okay. well keep going. This next one. Here we go. I've questioned if what I believe is true. Um, I've questioned, I question all, everything all the time. I'm like, I, I love, uh, skepticism. I think it's, uh, important to be critical of the things you may or may not believe. It's important to be critical of things that other people, uh, believe to be true and to 
carry that energy. It doesn't mean that you have to be like a cynic uh, towards everything. It's just to be thorough uh, and to, you know, look at the claims that we hold dear to us and think, I want to expect this from, inspect this from every angle to see just how true the things I believe actually are. Now, in terms of religion, I make no claim. So uh, there's not much to, to go on there. And I don't often sit and uh, think about, you know, like, oh, what happens after I die or things. These are things that uh, I won't get the answers to until it happens uh, to mm -hmm. me. And technically, given the scientific nature and, and the belief so far around death, you, you probably won't get any answers because you're dead. <laughs> so I, I don't sit and ponder these things, uh, death specifically, all too often or what happens after that. And as far as my relationship with the universe. Um, sure, I, I think about it, but not with this like ever-present need for there to be a set claim and a set answer as to why everything happens and why we're here and what the, the direct meaning of life is. I think this need that we have to place meaning on life is just like a part of the, the human condition. And I'm totally okay if uh, that has not been answered in my lifetime. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, from a, from my standpoint, I talked about it before, but yeah, I've, I've had plenty of, of questions as far as in my faith journey, like on theological questions on, okay, what does the Bible teach about this? Is there an inconsistency here? Is there a contradiction? Is, uh, what about the church? What about the Apocrypha? What about, um, people who are, are hypocrites or things like that? Like, what about the church's atrocities in history? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so I think that working those out is has been um, something that I try to do with complete intellectual honesty and uh, try to go to those questions like as as honestly as I can as myself with the thought in mind that again, if uh, if this is all true, then God's not afraid of my questions. But so far, like I said, none of my doubts has been uh, fatal to. Uh, those places where I, I have to um, entrust to uh, faith, I guess, in my worldview. And I'll just, like I said before, I think as well, like there's, you can kind of, the two views for me are like, there's, there's a divine order or there's, there's not a divine order. And I just can't help but look when I zoom out as much as possible or zoom in as much as possible when you think of like biology or when you look at just the way the world works, when you look not just the, the physical world, but um, when you look at the way, okay, when people who live as though this is true, follow this pattern, what are the outcomes? What does that produce? Um, and uh, that seems to be evidence of it. And then I look at my own life when I look at the natural world, etc. I just see order when I look at just the archetypal story of good versus evil of sacrificial love that you see in Jesus um, and in Christianity. Um, that to me has still held everything together for me to where I can't say that I don't honestly see this all fitting together under that order. Um, but if you don't see it, you don't see it. And I, I don't think it's healthy to like, uh, pretend that you do, but I also don't think it's healthy to like live in this Christian like uh, thinking when that's not really how you're, you're not, you're not willing to step back and ask those honest questions or uh, you're not doing it because of a sincerely held view. You're just doing it because you're pushing down any doubts that you may have. I don't think that's healthy either. 
Yeah, very, very true. That's the nature of knowledge. That's the nature of knowledge. Reality. Okay, everybody walk forward. I'm happy to see that everybody walked forward with that. That's great. Look at that. I even question like being an ex-Christian sometimes. I call myself a hopeful agnostic. I, I sure as shit hope something's out there because that's really depressing if there's not. But if there isn't, that's cool too. I already have to pause. <laughs> Sorry. Um, mm -hmm. To me, it's not depressing at all if there is nothing out there. And it's funny because um, I think there are a, a ton of different ways you can interpret that. But like, I, I think about how beautiful it is that there could be uh, nothing out there. When you think about uh, the the world, the the probability that you are the person you are right now sitting here in the world listening to Taylor and I right now having this human experience and you know the sliver that probability was but it has come to be and you are here now and you are existing in a human body with a life that by its very nature at least you know from my perspective is finite meaning you get your time on this earth and then it is done it makes your life so beautiful so worth living that like each day is this piece of time that you have been given so so lucky to have been given and when you zoom in or zoom out on that you can see it take place like think about the probability that you would be here think about this is going to be a crazy example <laughs> but like okay the the sperm traveling to the egg that would have created you as a human being the millions of of sperm that had the probability of meeting that egg to create you as a human being and one of them was capable of doing that there is sort of a chaotic nature to that happening but also like a beautiful result in you being here and when you zoom out and sort of look at the universe and the all the different planets that exist within it and the probability that life would be made on on this planet in particular where you get to live it's a very similar sentiment uh and the mm -hmm. fact that it exists and we live in the present and we only live in the moment that we live in now is a very beautiful thing to me to where I don't feel this incessant need to think about what comes after this life or what is to follow this or what came before necessarily. And I, I wish she didn't feel like this deep anxiety towards needing something to be there because I do think it takes away from your experience of actually being able to live in the present moment. If you are constantly anxious about wondering whether or not there's some higher being or there's something after death or, you know, what happens when my, my life force leaves me, you spend your time and your human energy consumed with this like anxious energy that may not always be there, but is constantly looming in the background. And if you can't see the beauty in the time that you are allotted, I just feel kind of bad. But yeah. Christians get to feel that too, uh, in a sense. And I think uh, a lot of people from all different religions, and that is, I think, one of the functions uh, that religion serves for a lot of people is it can take maybe that anxious energy that some of us feel, not all of us, and it goes here. Here's something to look to, here's something to look towards. And that's why I think so many people concern themselves with these ideas about religion. Not everybody, of course. Sorry, I just got on my soapbox there. Oh, yeah, and that's <laughs> that's great. And uh, as you're talking, I'm thinking the, the Christian equivalent to uh, her, I think, is that Christian that is so concerned with their salvation and did I sin today mm -hmm. or whatever that I, am I in, am I out? But mm -hmm. you're always in, you know, looking down into the realm of these theological questions and um, judgments or whatever and not looking up to the 
realities that you've been brought into and just the wonder of the world. Because as you're describing, you know, just the inf infinitesimal odds that mm -hmm. we would be who we are and live and living, breathing in this moment in time and that the, the world would be such that it is. And that is something that makes you feel this sense of wonder and and gratitude. I think that having a Christian hope um, should, and it doesn't always if you mm -hmm. have a judgmental sort of uh, paradigm in your Christianity, but it should animate that even to the nth degree to where you're like, I am experiencing a connection with the creator of all things. I the 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 love that I feel from my creator through Jesus is a real love. And I can ground my sense of of security in that as a human being, that I am made in God's image, that he's put a uniqueness in me that I can bring to bear in the world, that I have something to offer that's real and of, of a divine seed. It's truly from him. I have a real purpose to to live out in this earth and um i'm i'm alive in this moment in time and it makes it makes it makes life hopeful and um and and it makes the the promises of god you see for yourself in scripture and just the the order that he brings and like okay if i if i i can see that i have the the cheat code the answer book to how to live life uh that I, you know and how to uh, go about my family and 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 just living in this world, like I understand what it's all here for and what it's all, uh, what the purpose is and where it's going and where it comes from. And, um, I can find my place in it. I can find my identity as a person through, uh, fitting myself in this grand story that's painted in scripture. And so it brings life, it, all these different colors and dimensions that you didn't know existing. So it's interesting to hear you talk about the wonder of like being at peace with the, the uncertainty of all, cause I can actually totally see that. And I, mm -hmm. and I think that there is a, a lot of wonder to be had if that's your, your underlying assumptions, but it's on the flip side of that coin. It seems like there's just as much, um, uh, if you actually hold to that, hey, there is an, an animating force for all this, that that there is an, and something that holds it all together and um, that that truth is knowable and it's worth pursuing. And so uh, anyway, it's just really cool that we're, we're like looking at this same <laughs> thing, but like from the opposites, like I feel like one of us, I'm not saying you're in the upside down and stranger things, yeah, just saying like sure. one of us is in one dimension and one's in another, right? Uh, but both filled with, with wonder and gratitude. Yes. That is so, so very fascinating. And let us know if you guys feel the same way about the things that we're discussing. Uh, I'd love to hear your perspective on that. I just, <laughs> yeah, like obviously we all became ex-Christians because we started questioning what we believe. And I think that's really important to like solidify your faith as well, like on your side too. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you for saying that. Cause that is true. Like that is something, me questioning is something that has solidified my faith a lot more. Finding information about like the evidence of Christ, the evidence of God. Cause I feel like honestly, you'd be lying to yourself if you didn't say it, that it took faith to believe in anything. It takes faith to believe in the big bang. It takes faith to believe that there's this void out here there. Why would you and say that? Because you don't know. Were you there the, when the, the Big Bang happened? We don't need we're to be there. there. We have likelihood. Were you there? We, we there? don't need to be there. We can measure that light from the from the. Then the why does science keep system. changing? It changes like every year. Actually, because we discovered we were wrong. That, because of the Yikes. same way Newtonian physics changed into Einstein, the same way things evolved. Knowledge keeps on growing. The 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 hubris of Christianity to say we have everything figured out and everything is true. Science has humbleness to say, we know only this and we keep on researching mm -hmm. to, to 
grow our knowledge. Sorry? That was a very wonderful point on behalf of, uh, on Ivan's behalf. I, I stand by that uh, wholeheartedly. And this doesn't yeah. claim it's interesting. Claim to know everything. That. Your belief system does the claim to know everything and doesn't move off of that point. Science keeps updating, making itself more and more accurate. That and I do want to make the point right here and now. Science is not the antithesis to religion. A lot of people say if you do not, uh, you know, adhere to a religion, therefore, you know, like science is the opposite of being a Christian. No, it's not necessarily. Science is just a, a, a body of work in itself that says we we test things that we are claiming, we make hypotheses, and we, we test and fail and test and fail and test and fail in an effort to get closer to knowledge. It is not claiming to be, you know, the opposite of God. It is not claiming to be the alternative to God. Science simply is what it is and takes on many different forms through many different theories, uh, many different hypotheses that are constantly being tested, disproven, proven. Um, so often, like when people speak to those who uh, don't believe in, in a god or, or any sort of religion, they say, oh, well, then your religion is science. No, my religion, I do not have one. Uh, my religion is not science. Now, I, I will listen to, you know, scientific learning, studies, research to see where I, I stand on the matter, see what's been discovered. But it's not the alternative to Christianity, if that makes sense. It is a body of knowledge that exists for us to look at and to learn and observe more about the world. It is a means of observation. Uh, and uh, yeah, so so often we get bogged down in like Christianity versus science, science, science. And it's not necessarily that. <laughs> I can go on this yeah. for a while. And on the Christian end too, it's frustrating because, you know, there are a, a lot of the scientific debate or Christianity versus science debate uh, that that we we seem to always get into is for me like largely moot because in in a straightforward uh like when you when you look at scripture and you look at like what is being taught or the stories that it has etc there's a certain scope that is is taken on it it is meant to be understood according to the intent of the author, and it's not meant to be a science textbook. And I think a lot of Christians have taken it as a science textbook and tried to, uh, we, you know, beat the rest of the world and society over the head with scientific claims that the Bible is never really making. And uh, there may be like tangential points made in a story that, or like even things that are like poetry and meant to be understood in more of like a literary sense that are actually not, uh, truth claims or scientific claims or things like that, that are, that get misinterpreted, but Christians feel the need to defend Jesus and defend God, uh, because we have to take every single word of this literally in 21st century terms. And that the scope of the Bible is to explain absolutely every uh, facet of, of the natural world and of science. And, uh, it's just a, a misguided effort. And again, I go back to like the central contention is Jesus. And was Jesus trying to like, prove specific facets of, you know, timelines or genealogies or things like that, or like what, what in the, in the broadest sense, what was he here for? What did he teach? Who was he? Those are the questions to contend with and to really plant your flag in if you're a Christian, right? Um, but they're not the, the questions that you don't want to plant your flag in or, or be like non-negotiable about is the things that the Bible is not really even claiming on its own behalf, especially with regard to science. So mm. that's what I'll say from the Christian perspective. Yeah. And I, I hope 
the the point is made clear enough that like if you are um, a Christian person who then turns to somebody who's uh, does not have a belief in Christian in Christianity and says, well, therefore you must believe in X Y Z or you you must believe in in the Big Bang theory. The science is the like systemic uh, study or observation of like what we can find within the natural world, what sort of knowledge, evidence we can put together about the the natural world. It is not being offered as an alternative, alternative to Christianity. It just simply is. And uh, when you are saying that you adhere to Christianity, you have the burden of proof on the claim that you are making. It is not uh, on. It's not the job of the person who is not convinced of your claim to therefore offer you an alternative like the Big Bang Theory or get into to primordial soup because they are not uh, making a claim. <laughs> they are not claiming to have any knowledge about the creation of the world or the meaning of our existence within this world or that there is some sort of higher being. The claim is is yours and therefore it must be proven and defended by you that's the the beauty of life that's the beauty of living is to keep learning and i think that's crazy so it's so to, keep crazy. Say, to keep saying that every time something changes that we thought to be true this is awesome we well, were wrong well, we, we thought that we didn't need to wash our hands before surgery yeah and then all of a sudden i'm glad that we really discovered i love that he responded with Okay, first. So let's <laughs> unpack what she said. She said, uh, that's ridiculous to, to be so excited about being wrong, to be so excited about failure. And you have to, I can understand somebody's immediate proclivity to like want to say that and to, be, especially if you're coming from the position of having answers and wanting everything to be sort of set in stone, no pun intended. Um, mm -hmm. But there is a beauty to failure. There is, a, and you just think about this in your own life. Think about when you were a kid and a million times you tried to walk and you fell down and you, you banged your knee or you banged your head and all of a sudden you realized, oh, this is the proper way to plant my feet and you learned something new. The information that you once had changed and you built knowledge towards something that moved you in another direction. He gives the example of we learned to wash our hands before, you know, go, go, going into surgery. And think about all the failure and all the pain and uh, all the disaster that happened prior to that moment of learning something. And yes, that is science. Learning to wash your hands before uh, engaging in surgery on a patient is science. It is building knowledge about the natural world that we exist in. And at the very heart and center of science uh, is failure. And failure is a beautiful thing. Uh, there's some quote from a long time ago, and I forget, from some inventor. I'm just going to make it up. Let's say I invented a water bottle that now holds water and we can drink out of it. Uh, he says something along the lines of, I didn't learn uh, one way to invent a water bottle. I learned a thousand ways not to. And those failures is, uh, are constantly, we're updating our knowledge, we're researching, we're learning new things. And that's an amazing thing that should be celebrated. And there are Christians, I believe, who celebrate science because the two things are not, you know, don't have to be wholly divorced from each other. Of course, there are major points of contention when it comes to Christianity when uh, compared to science with things like resurrection. If you take uh, biblical stories literally with Adam and Eve and the serpent and all these different things. But my goodness, you can still cheer for knowledge and learning new things.
Absolutely. I mean, for me, the well, first of all, I think you're referring to Thomas Edison and the, the making okay. of the light bulb. Light bulb. Um, Boom. Yeah, like an incandescent light bulb. But uh, yeah, for me, the I think Christians, Christians again, just plant the flag on on the wrong thing. Like, I think it's a flex on Christianity's part that we posit a knowable, ordered universe and a God who gave us rational minds. And those two things, the science is the pursuit of truth through reason, essentially. And mm-hmm. that is an iterative process. And, you know, we're finite in our humanity and that you're going to not see things 100% clearly and perfectly um, fr- fr- from the get-go. But over time, we learn new things about the universe and we use our God-given rationality to discover more of the order of the universe and how things work and the laws that govern gravity or whatever it may be. And those are all uh, beautiful discoveries that, for me, shed more light on what is made. The only place where you really get into problems is when you, again, are like making claims on behalf of the Bible with regard to science that the Bible doesn't make itself. And I think it's a healthy thing when a scientific uh, discovery calls into question some previously held belief about Scripture. Maybe that was just a dogmatic belief that if you actually go back and read it with the intent of the author, with proper context, with maybe a different uh, lens that you took for granted before, that you just took it in some literal sense that because it's, it's more easy or, or intuitive to to claim as true and try to run that truth claim, the science can actually enhance your understanding of the reality of the truths that Scripture is actually trying to persuade and the claims that it's actually trying to make. So I see a harmony there, and I don't see a need uh, for it does now there, there's things to be contended with for mm-hmm. sure and there's definitely uh significant questions to be raised and uh we can i'm sure we can talk about those till our faces are blue oh, but right. i think there can be harmony between those two things from the christian perspective of science and christianity i think the reason that she's biting down so hard is that uh she believes in uh things that would fly in the face of science uh if if analyzed through that lens if you believe in the resurrection science is going to have something to say about that. If you believe in talking serpents, uh, science is going to have to say something about that. If you believe in miracles and uh, people who were blind uh, miraculously being healed, uh, science is going to have to say something about that. If you believe in ailments being lifted off of people through uh, miracles, uh, science is probably not going to look too kindly upon that. And I think she's maybe feeling that and uh, projecting uh, that internal thought onto mm-hmm. the entire study of the natural world. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's a valid point too, is that, you know, like I mentioned before, as a Christian, it's the central claim of Christianity that Jesus was resurrected. And I accept that, but I also like am conscious of the fact that that is a, an act of faith on my part. And like going back to when God met Abraham and said, go and leave your, your home and native land and go to land that I'll show you. And like it says, Abraham was justified by his faith. Like the faith traces back to the, as far back as God has revealing himself to humanity. That's been a part of the nature of the relationship with God. The, Adam and Eve in the garden had to take it on faith that they should not eat the tree. They had to put themselves under God authority and they didn't do that. But um, the, there's elements of faith that are present, but that doesn't justify not using the rational brain that God gave you to the best of your ability to uh, ex- to accept truths that are evident through that reason and to uh, 
go to realize and acknowledge when your your understanding of scripture maybe is inconsistent with reality and that's either an indictment on all of scripture or your understanding of scripture and i would check your understanding of scripture first before you toss the whole thing out because that might be throwing out the baby with the bathwater given all the other areas of truth in terms of like moral truth and, and archetypal truth um, that you may be benefiting from in other dimensions of your life, which is a critique that I might have of Western civilization, but we don't need to go there. We discover the microbes and how that affected, you know, the health of, of, of the body. And then all of a sudden, then stop back. saying, you know, then just be like, we, we never said we, we knew. We said that we were humble in science to know that we know what we know. And we're constantly trying to grow that knowledge. We don't have the hubris yeah. to say it's called the Big Bang Theory. Hey, we know everything. I think yeah. it's so important to be like, I, know everything either. I can't prove that God exists, but I also can't prove that he doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, well, the good news, Mel, is that it's not your job. <laughs> you don't have the burden of proof, uh, which so often we get into the crux of this in, in conversation. It's uh, totally understandable uh, because if somebody did make a claim uh, I believe that you didn't believe in, you might feel the need to uh, give evidence towards your lack of belief in the claim, but it is not your job. If somebody makes a claim to you, if I say uh, there is a big purple balloon in the sky that is constantly looming over us, you do not have to give me evidence that disproves my claim of the big purple balloon. I have to give you evidence that proves my claim is true. Yeah, I love that you said that, and I appreciate yeah. that. Like, yeah. and I, I mean, hope the, the, you all say that too, like 100%. that you can't 100% prove God. Right? Yeah. They don't have to say that. Really? That's I, what faith is. Speaking about belief, um, I've spoken to a lot of ex-Christians because uh, six years ago I started a ministry called Uber Evangelism. <laughs> Trained about a you dozen people. Yeah, a dozen people to go across the country to drive for Uber and also talk about Jesus. Oh my God, so I've spoken to a lot nightmare. of people. Is that how Gideon got <laughs> saved? Yeah, that's Uber. I'm not gonna lie, if I got in an Uber and they started proselytizing towards me, uh, we'd have a great conversation. I'm not gonna lie, we'd have a great conversation, but also I'd be taken aback if I found out that there was an entire organization built around <laughs> a proselytizing in Ubers. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's one star reviews probably pretty fast, depending on how you go about it. Like I said, that might be, I've had much worse experiences in Ubers than yeah, someone right. trying to proselytize me toward anything. Um, but, you know, I, it could be interesting or it could also go very quickly wrong. But either way, I don't think Uber would approve of that use of their platform. Probably not. I would have a field day, by the way. I don't care how long the ride is, I'd have a field day on that ride. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, let's go. Were drivers talk to you about it? I'm the Uber driver who talks about Jesus. Do so you think that's harassment? harassment? Oh, no. Aside from going over that, <laughs> um, so I've spoken to a lot of people from different perspectives, different religions, and it really enhanced my faith in Christ. But also, I've also spoken to a lot of ex-Christians, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, but although the stats say it's because uh, they disagree with some of the church's political stand, negative experience, but from my conversations with them, it appeared that most of them became ex-Christians because they just don't believe in Jesus. Is that right? I, for me, I'm an extremely reluctant ex-Christian, right? Why? Like I would like to be a Christian, but I, it, it, things don't seem true. Yeah. Like what do it you just mean doesn't. By 
not believing in Jesus, like that he's the son of God. Of course, everybody knows he, he's existed. That's, I mean, that's, uh, that's I under mean, debate. Yeah. Right, but, but that's he he existed? Son, that he's the son of God. It's no, not that he existed. Oh, okay, right. But yeah, like... the belief that he's the son of God, died for people's yeah. sins. I like his messaging. I like the things right. that he's saying. A lot of people do. Right? I, I right. think a lot of people really like but those yeah, and like to right. live Thank by Thank you them. for clarifying. I'm talking yeah. about believing in Jesus as Lord and Savior is what I'm talking about. Yeah, or, well, maybe not just in the way that you say, right? right, right like, right. like I could believe in Jesus, but not definitely not that thing. So that's mm. why Christianity doesn't work for me anymore, right? Yeah, for me, in my case, it's just that through study uh, and a, a truly unbiased research and honest searching, I arrived at the conclusion that Christianity, as it is presented to us so far throughout the ages, I believe it deeply immoral and the image of God is deeply immoral. And, the, and some of the teachings that are there are incredibly immoral. So I, I don't subscribe to that because I do believe that I do have a better moral compass. I find it hard to believe that you but came it's to that. Unbiased, Did you though. want to respond no to bias, that? Man. Yeah, I was going to say it's not necessarily an unbiased judgment. It's interesting uh, that she said, whoa, uh, when she has been uh, making judgments of immorality this entire episode. But yeah, I would not, mm. would not claim for that to be uh, necessarily unbiased research uh, coming from the perspective. If you've already were a former Christian, can you, are you capable of unbiased research? I mean, maybe somebody is, but. Uh, yeah, and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he meant like complete intellectual honesty. Yes, like I'm not, yes. I'm, I'm being true to my deepest sense of what's true. And this is the conclusion I came to. And that's right. a fair thing to say. I don't have any critique there, but to say that you're not completely unbiased and this is deeply immoral, it feels a little bit right. but yeah. incongruent. But she should not be shocked by uh, that characterization at all. Inclusion based on objective research. Yeah, well, well I mean, colonialism, Bible, right? Yeah. Colonialism, manifest slavery. destiny, slavery was, is yeah, not denied or, or rejected in the Bible. So there are a whole bunch of immoral things that happen in the Bible that some apologists will say, well, no, 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 no. That was a historical thing that everyone did. So it has to be documented as the thing that happened historically. So is it human or is it divine? So, you know, I just, I just, it, it, for me, it's just immoral. Going back to the original prompt, I think um, for me, it doesn't matter how much I tell my testimony. I always question whether or not people are going to accept God through it. If you guys don't accept it, that's okay. You know, it's, it, for me, it's kind of like an all-you-can-eat buffet. You know, it's like you could pick and choose. You want the chow mein or the sushi, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's still only one Asian right answer, right? I mean, <laughs> technically. It's fine. At least Johnny seems very chill and uh, consistent mm -hmm. in his belief. Uh, and there, I don't get a nervous energy from him that I get from uh, the, the others. Uh, and uh, there's no, like, biting down or anything. He's just like, yo, I'm chill. I have my set of uh, my belief system. I'm fine to have the conversation if you want to ask me about my personal experience with Christianity. But if you eat, if you want to eat. <laughs> and I, I like that energy that he brings to the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I said at the mm -hmm. beginning, I kind of vibes with him the most. Yeah. Uh, I saw in the comments, too. I think a lot of people were like, Johnny was chill. Yeah. I'm not sure about the other people, but it, it does say something. And I think a lot of Christians should take note of the posture that he's taking and what kind of representation that's giving to the world versus perhaps some of the others. Yeah, yeah, vibing with Johnny. And that you believe that there is one right, right. answer. If it's for you and your truth, that's fine. That's, you know, that's, that's yeah, a very postmodernism approach. You know, I think from my perspective that that's right. As long as you don't intervene with my perspective, we're, we're cool. For sure. 
Well, I get what you're saying it's because uh, there's yes. a lot of crap in institutional religion, including Christianity, judging, hypocrisy, uh, abuse. So I get it when people walk away from the church, but don't walk away from Jesus. 100%. I'll tell you, uh, like a thing I just can't grasp mm. is like, okay, we're born. We didn't ask to be here. Mm -hmm. We are flawed from the beginning. Life from a biblical Jesus standpoint seems like it's one big test that we have to pass. And if we don't, I'm a good person. Yeah. I think I would go to heaven, but I won't because I can't force myself to believe in Jesus and God. That's what that I don't sucks. believe. And I know that you do believe. I don't think that Jesus Christ, the embodiment of love is saying, going to hell because you were kind majority. to me. That's what the Bible says. Right. And, and that you're not going to hell for being it. kind. You're yeah. going to hell for not surrendering to Jesus but Christ. But that's not okay, her fault. It's a narrow road. Hold on, Logically, yeah, that's not the her fault. The game, the game is I so would throw. So I love that, like, the guy said, uh, I view it as deeply immoral. She was like, whoa, like, how dare you call it deeply immoral? And she just casually tells this girl, you're not going to hell for being kind. You're going to hell because you didn't submit to the, the casual nature with which she just condemned this girl to a fiery existence. <laughs> <laughs> is just hilarious. Uh, obviously, I know she might not be the true characterization of how a lot of you feel about all of this, and you'll have Mary, you'll have your own opinions to put in the comments. Uh, I, I know I keep going after her, but my my goodness, is it one of the most like inconsistent examples we've seen on uh, Jubilee's middle ground? But it, it's religion, so of course there's bound, there's bound yeah, to be it's something. It's interesting. Like we talk about how people always give it unevenly to Christianity. Like it's okay to make fun of Christianity. People have this like resentment toward Christianity, but I think stuff like this is why, right? When, when it used to be the predominant sort of narrative in the culture that everyone was living under. And it was this mentality of like, you know, judgmentalism and everything. You can understand that as a reaction to that, people would be especially spiteful and re, you know, wanting, wanting to reject, uh, Christians, uh, when that's what's been represented to them. So I do think it's unfortunate that like that's what we're seeing here. For the record, I will uh, levy questioning and criticism to all religions. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I will not, I will not uh, keenly not judge. Discriminate. Yeah, I will not judge Christians more than the others. And you're here and you decide. Yeah. So Hitler's on his deathbed and he says, God, I believe in you. Hitler's going to heaven and I'm not. What the f is honestly, that about? Like, on his deathbed, honestly, yes, honestly. he would go to heaven. Yeah. yeah. I do believe we have free will. And when we come to these things like, oh, this was wrong and we learn from him, I think that is what his version of believing in me is. She believed in love and kindness, which is Jesus Christ. So that's what I believe would send her and everyone else to heaven. So it's just all going to be interpretation over interpretation over interpretation. Well, nothing, I want to challenge Nothing in this conversation. That, then yeah. why don't cut the middleman? and just believe in kindness. I wish well, I could it's say. It's not about that. The Bible's purpose, that God's purpose wasn't about trying to make people good or to improve people or to fill people with love. The purpose was to save people. Save us from what? He caused it. Everybody needs fall. Jesus. Well, let me I say something that you might not like. I think all four of you know that God really exists. <laughs> Deep down, <laughs> I think you do know. <laughs> Any version However, of God? None. you don't want it to be true. And so no, whatever it is, we're not just putting Dios, Dios, Dios. Okay, well, just real quickly. What if they looked at him and, and looked at all four of them and said, guys, I know deep down that you all know that God does not exist. You just don't want that to be true. 
Do you see how that's not an argument? And it's certainly not a, a logical argument that I, either person can contend with. Uh, I'd imagine we all have things that we want and don't want. That that It matters not. What matters is evidence and what matters is the claim that you are making, not who wants what to be true or from what perspective we're arguing. Evidence, evidence, evidence. <laughs> and from the Christian side, it's like you said, the claim that you want to be true. Like it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Right. And, uh, you don't want to be getting off into these debate tactics and manipulative things that uh, don't really end up going anywhere. Because it's like, if I can talk you into adopting Christianity, then somebody else can talk you out of it. And if, But if you're going to become a true follower, it's going to come down to Jesus. And so I hate that we're always talking about these abstract things and these arguments and Christian stuff when, you know, if you, it comes down to what, what claims are you making as you're saying? Yep. 100%. Said you no. might not like it, right? No, no, I might not like it and categorically accepting but it. But let me finish my thought though. No. That because you don't want it to be true. Okay. Maybe not specific no, no. to you, but for the people in the scientific community or historical community, they don't want the God to be true. That's telling them what's right and wrong. That what they're doing is That's wrong. That's a generalization. Right. This is a generalization. Yeah. So I'm saying probably most likely the scientific community and others who are skeptical because they don't want it to be true. You don't want it to be not true. It does not matter. This matters not, it, ma it matters not. You're presenting margin of error. <laughs> Probably, not. maybe this thing, that other thing, that's well, a margin not, of it's error. It's not a brain thing, it's a heart condition. That's not science. Even worse. <laughs> exactly. Okay, I final prompt, it. guys, final prompt. We've made it to the end of this. We're almost at two hours. Uh, <laughs> We're gonna close this out. continuing with this video. Right. I, I fear death. How do we feel about this one, Taylor? Do you fear death? No, I don't really think about it that much. Yeah, Sorry, I, I'm getting exhausted. <laughs> no, you're totally fine. As, as am I. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. I definitely, uh, I ponder it every now and then I think about it. And I'm like, okay, that's, you know, uh, it's one thing that's guaranteed in this life is you're going to die. So <laughs> we're all going to be yeah. here for it. Uh, and, and those who have come before us have, have done it. And those who come after uh, will, will do it too. And guess what? You know, we don't know what it's going to be like, but it will, it will befall us at, at some point. Uh, yeah, I think a, like a healthy um, awareness of mortality is definitely something we can all benefit from. Um, but as far as like the question of uh, like, where am I going to spend eternity or something like that? That's not something that I wrestle with as a Christian day in and day out. Yeah. I don't, I don't wrestle with it either. And, uh, you know, I don't really, what was I going to say? I don't think about maybe when I was a kid, I would like be like, Oh my gosh, mm. what is this death thing that happened? What happened to my goldfish? You know? <laughs> but then you like, <laughs> you grapple with it. You go through your existential crises of like those moments where you're just living your normal life. And all of a sudden you remember you're going to die. And you're just thinking about like, what are the conditions that this is going to happen? And how old am I going to be? What's going to happen? And then yeah, I think you get over that. Um, not if you run away from it, though. I think a lot of people go through an existential crisis and they like run from the feeling and they run from the dread that they get from thinking about it. Uh, you, I think you do have to confront it and contend with it a little bit and uh, think through think through it before you can feel comfortable with the idea. I just remember there's a Twitter account that just tweets. It's automated every day. It says you will die someday. And like, <laughs> it's like a daily death reminder. I Whoa, think it, was it is a good but reminder. 
Like, yeah, it is. And I heard of like a Silicon Valley uh, tech entrepreneur or something who like had this jar of marbles or something smaller that uh, like represented the number of days he has left in life. And like every day took one out of it or something like that, which again, it can, it can be uh, an interesting thing, something that makes you think and appreciate life or realize the brevity of it. Um, but yes, the existential stuff comes and goes, but yep. yeah, in a day in a day out basis, not me. You got to let it let it fuel you guys. Let it fuel you. <laughs> Don't let it take away. Okay, let's finish this out. Please. Yeah, I'd be lying. Yay. I wish I didn't fear death, but I do. Yeah. Like, and I used to be, since I grew up, in like a private school my whole life. Mm -hmm. Fire and brimstone, baby. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, you are yeah, gonna yeah. burn, burn, burn. Yeah. And I've done my research and I don't think that hell is a literal place, but sometimes I'm like, hmm. But yeah, what if like the pastors in the back of my mind that I've gone through in youth group, I'm like, but what if it is? But I refuse to live like fear-based yeah. and just believe in God because I'm scared. Like that's not living to me and I yeah. can't like, force myself to believe in it. I know my opinion doesn't matter, but I, I'm sorry, I just don't believe that you're going to hell. I you, love that you said that. There's just an aura about people that are just bad and evil and want, they're, they're going, you know what I mean? There's no, there's no way in hell yeah. that you're going there. So, but I, I feel, uh, I fear what death will feel like. I'm like, man, I, I feel like it's gonna hurt. And I'm, I hate saying that cause I'm such a pansy, but I am terrified of pain and, and stuff, unless it's the good kind, you know, <laughs> warranted, you know, a little, a little, a little salt. <laughs> but it, it, uh, that terrifies me also because I'm afraid of what's gonna happen to the people that actually care about me. Just knowing that they're going through something and I can't be there to comfort them Well, anymore. apparently you're not even gonna know what's happening down there. That's what Christians have told me. Like, I won't even think about them. You won't even know them when they come up to heaven. I don't believe that. Yeah, like, uh, they say that you won't recognize your, like, partner. Wow. I have not heard that, but I imagine Within Christianity, there's a ton of different people who believe a ton of different things, so it's very, she very well could have heard that from somebody. Uh, yeah. Anyways. When well, you're partner. Yeah. Um, I thought heaven was supposed to be heaven, and uh, my heaven includes them, you know? I always just thought, like, do I want to live forever? Sounds so exhausting. <laughs> so I hope when I die, it's just, like, in the ground and yeah. just, like, resting. I hope not. I want us to hang out up there. I want us to go to a club up yeah, there. Yeah, we'll kiki up there. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be super afraid of dying um, and then you know had two partners in a row die and uh, when people talk about an afterlife I'm like really uh -oh. another life after this one that sounds like a lot exactly. <laughs> yeah can it only if I can only watch like HBO documentaries or something you know um, she's crying are you okay you okay? You all right? <laughs> you okay? Can I give you a hug? I'm yeah, sorry. Please. I'm so sorry. I hate the topic of death because you always remember the people that you care about that are gone. So again, it really hurts. I'm so sorry. sorry. No, don't, don't apologize. You're human. You guys can 
go while I get my voice back together. You need anything from us? No, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Are you finished? Or? Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like, yeah, I lost two partners and that kind of, I feel like watching, being with them as they died really made me not, first of all, A, <laughs> there's things that are worse than death. Uh, B, I don't have a fear of going to hell anymore. Um, I feel like I've already been through hell. I just feel like, oh, if all there is is blackness after this, just darkness, like, yeah, let's go, let's go. That's like the, the big nap, please. Yeah, bring on the big nap, yeah. Relax. That's so funny. I love, it's so interesting that we like interpret death like through our like human lens of like anything that we can think of within our human existence that we think might even be minutely similar and like, we think it's going to be some sort of like nap or just blackness or nothingness, but that's just all that our human minds can conjure. So it's fascinating. And I don't really spend all that time, all, all that much time conjuring what death is going to feel like. In one way, I think, okay, well, we know that within us is energy. Everything has energy for the most part, and energy cannot be destroyed or created. So there's going to be some sort of transference of your energy somewhere. But it's it's like kids thinking about death in some way because we only have what exists to us as humans uh, as like little pieces to describe it and you know maybe it maybe it will feel like a, a big nap or maybe that's just the one thing that we can think of that we have that is even minutely close to what we think death is uh, and then we use it to describe it it's very very fascinating. I haven't heard any like outlandish descriptors for, for death, uh, even though we have absolutely no idea it could quite literally be anything. Very interesting. Death. Uh, for me, I guess it's very similar. Why should I fear something that in its simplest explanation, it may just be nothing. It may just be no experience, no pain, no suffering. And I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. I would say I, I don't personally fear, fear death because I believe I know where I'm going, but I'd be lying if I didn't say it wasn't something that ate me up inside to think of people that I know and if they don't know Jesus. And I even pray like maybe on their deathbed, you know, because I, I mean, we have family. Not everybody's Christian in my family. Um, not everybody's living what I believe to be a Christian life. Um, so I, I think about that and that is that is hard. And I know there's a lot of people's perceptions of Christians is that we want to send you to hell so bad. And that's not it, so. Of course not. That's all. You all right? If you keep talking, I'll probably get over <laughs> it, so, yeah. Oons, oons, oons. <laughs> yeah. I actually agree with that as well. You know, I used to fear death a lot, being in that type of lifestyle. Um, you know, I would carry a gun because I was afraid of dying, actually. Mm. You know, people think that, oh, we want to hurt people. No, actually, it was a defensive mechanism for me. But now that, similar to the sister here, like, by faith, I feel like I know where I'm going. And likewise, I feel bad about my friends. So that's why, um, you know, some of the people in my gang are, are actually my family members, my brother, my uncles. But for me, luckily, I kind of keep my faith in God and allow God to save a person because like we're all here, right? I can't change how you think. I can't change how you, I can only, you know, uh, speak. And then from my experience, and if you guys accept it, you accept it. You know? Woo, that line he just dropped about the fact that he carried a gun as a defense mechanism for his own fear of like death and his own view of mortality. 
we need a moment. I need, I'm going to think about that much later. We're not going to do it in this video. It's too long already. Mm -hmm. But oh, my goodness. You can tell that he's done a lot of journeying into his own mind, his own motivations, uh, mm -hmm. things that his environment like predisposed him to, choices that he's made. Uh, and that totally comes off in the energy that he exudes when he speaks about his own personal relationship with religion. And it seems as though every time he talks, he makes the distinction that his relationship is personal and makes no like efforts to push or proselytize yeah. or like move people in a direction. He just says, this is me and that's it. And I can admire that. It's consistency. Yeah. I, I appreciate mm -hmm. that. And I, I, as I'm listening to this, I'm, I sympathize with, um, with a lot. I, I think I, I forget her name, but the girl in the yellow, um, Katia, I think is her name. Sorry, yeah. I don't know. I yeah. Don't. Uh, I, I sympathize with the feeling that like you want what's best for people and like Christians really do, you know, it's like when you, when you're certain of something, when you have a degree of certainty, then like you can't help but have, uh, strong feelings. Right. And, um, your certainty will make you act in a prescribed way, no matter what you, um, believe or what you think. Um, and, I think I think with what we saw with what's the red jacket guy's name? Johnny. Johnny. Yeah. yeah you see a little bit more like it, it's not that he's uncertain about his convictions, but he has less like less of a conviction about his role in like it, he doesn't feel like it's the burden is on him to save everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I when I was younger and more like I guess zealous in my Christian thinking, I, uh, I had that, I felt this like crushing weight that I need to convert everybody or else, you know, I'm not a good Christian or they're going to hell or, um, I'm not, you know, pleasing God or whatever. And, um, at some point, I think I had to reckon with this idea that even in scripture, God talks, it's got what, yes, we are commanded to be representatives of Christ. Yes, we are commanded to, um, be witnesses of him and, and speak about him and who he is and bear witness to him. But I think uh, Red Jacket guy is doing that. And um, I think that shouldering the burden of other people's eternal um, eternal destination or their eternity is not something that we're necessarily meant to, to carry. Um, but that's not to say we should be unconcerned with it. I just think it, it's a, it's a crushing thing. And uh, I think, but that, that, that I think you should also, though, as a Christian, still um, bear witness, you know, speak of what you know and testify to what you've seen, as the scripture says, and like not be, not hold back or not be ashamed or not, you know, be hesitant to do that. But balance that with a little bit of like, you know, God is the one who's sovereign ultimately. And if you're a Christian, you believe that like it's it's on him, it's not on me to like persuade people in their minds or win arguments um, in their way in. But hopefully on their journey, I'm somebody who's pointing them toward uh, the person of Christ and acting consistently with who he is and uh, leaving them to go through their journey as they will and hope that whatever they experienced when they encountered me was something that uh, helped point them in the right direction for them and uh, is not something that that stirred them away. So. Yeah, I think about like 
compare Johnny's energy to like in LA there's uh, near where I live like there's this guy who uh hangs out in the street like holding a cross just screaming at every single car that goes by and I think he's doing that maybe in an effort to like try to save the souls of those around him but I would be inclined to believe that the energy of somebody like Johnny is going to be far more impactful than the energy of the guy who screams at the cars that are going past on on the street. And that's something to maybe uh, bear in mind in your Which holds approach. true, by the way, in political discourse too, right? Like yes. you, we've seen so much radical activism on both sides of the aisle. And we've seen that it can be off-putting and counterproductive to your cause when you come at it with this just... Uh, zealotry um, and you feel like the the whole fate of the world is on whether people adopt your view of climate change or whatever and like blocking the road can end up being something that's actually counterproductive to your cause when you if you just allow your better sensibilities to prevail and engage people in a more uh, sincere manner that still acknowledge their independence as human beings and that they're on their own journey of understanding and met them halfway or tried to find common ground and mutual understanding and then had the conversation and tried to get your true intent across, they'd be much more receptive to that. So I think we can all kind of learn from how these things are playing out in front of us in this video. 100%. And with that, we're going to close out this video, guys. I know you've all been waiting for it. We're here. The time has come. You know, so yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. Well, even if you don't want it, I'm going to be praying for y'all. <laughs> so, you know, Sweet. I'm definitely going to be praying for you, not just like just just praying for you uh, for your well-being for for everything so i think everyone here is fantastic and stuff like i genuinely by the way would love to talk to you about like, i want to hear like some of your thoughts and stuff like okay. that and stuff but i would genuinely want to be friends with everyone here like i feel like i can hang out and so i know that me and her are going to be super tight so i think that you need to do stand up i, I do stand up <laughs> you do? oh yes oh, i told you didn't i, I say didn't it. i say she yeah. might actually do it i called it i want to say as a, as a christian pastor um i want to apologize for uh some of the things that you've experienced in the church and um no excuses i'm not going to say oh nobody's perfect but um that shouldn't have happened there was abuse and judgment, and uh, that's not what Jesus stands for. And I, I do disagree Amen. that, I, I, I believe that you know that God is real. <laughs> I'm gonna go back to that, but <laughs> let me just say, you know what? I'm not convinced, bro. <laughs> I do wish the best for you. And you as well. Yes, insane. You're gonna get me again, don't you? I got a little teary-eyed, because like, I didn't have like good father figures, so that was really nice. Oh. Oh. You're wonderful, uh, you know. No, I, I really appreciate that you all came, you know, with your belief, but not proselytizing or forcing as other uh, people do. I like and would love that this, that can spread out in a way that everyone can let everyone practice their way of being a good human being. And the things that are private, to be kept private. <laughs> Thank you for being open. Thank you, all of you guys. Yeah. Thank you very We're much. We're all looking for something to fill that void inside of us, right? Some of us, it's Jesus. Some of us, it's, you know, really wild sex. Um, <laughs> 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 Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah.
lost me on the last part with the void filling and all that. But uh, anyways, these seem like eight very, very sweet uh, people who, uh, mind you, came together and had a very respectful conversation uh, on a tough subject. Religion is a very tough subject to go back and forth on. Uh, and the fact that they got this conversation down to 50 minutes is insane, considering we just spent two hours and 12 minutes unpacking it here on the show. Taylor, any final thoughts before we close out today? <laughs> Uh, man, if you I have thoughts know. left, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm running on fumes here at this yes. point. But uh, no, I, I I'm glad that we can broach these subjects. I'm like I said before. I mean, the, these none of these people are perfect representatives of either side, and I am certainly not a perfect representative of the Christian side. And uh, I'm already kicking myself about things I probably should have said differently or whatever. Uh, but you know, I'm glad that we are making the effort. I'm glad that Jubilee is making the effort to have this happen because people do contend with this stuff and think about this stuff. And this is where people are at. People have been hurt by this stuff. People have honest questions and they're exploring and searching. And I think that that needs to be something that uh, should be done more openly and have more open conversations about that. And I think people who have are, are standing on different sides of these issues should be able to communicate with one another and really help each other out on our journeys without trying to necessarily uh, manipulate each other or, or, push each other forcibly into any specific conclusion. So I'm, this was a lot of fun and I'm sure we'll talk more about these issues on the show. And if you guys have any issues with something I said, the, uh, my DMs are open. I can try to respond to as many as possible. I'm on Instagram um, and I'm sure we'll talk more about them on the show. And uh, I'm thinking about maybe exploring a little bit more of this type of discussions and this type of content on a channel of my own in the near future. So uh, maybe stay tuned for that. If there's interest, let me know. And be nice to Taylor, guys. Don't come after him for stuff. We, <laughs> have, we There is plenty of time to unpack this further. And uh, let us know if you want us to unpack this further as much as i'm sure many of the christians watching will have criticism for me it's funny i think funnily enough christians uh giving their answers gain more criticism than the people who do not believe in the religion giving their answers so <laughs> we will see what happens in this comment section and let us know if you want to unpack uh, these ideas further in other episodes because I had a lot more uh, to say and I have a lot more <laughs> things to unpack on this subject. Like I said, we could talk about this for days and days and days. Guys, that being said, if you like this video, like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single time we post a video for you guys, which is every single day. And if you disagree with anything that was said in this video, I don't know a person who won't disagree with something that was <laughs> said in this video. Put it in the comments down below. As always, we encourage healthy debate, so do get out, but do so respectfully. And we will see you next time. Bye, guys.